Welcome to Ren and Sam. It's that time of year. It is that time of year. We're in the dog days of summer. You know, I think I saw some posts talking about like 50 plus days till the four major sports are back. You know, it's, it, it's going to be a minute. You know, we got we got baseball, I guess. Some, something like that. But NBA Finals ended this past week. And um, yeah, Rem, you know, you ready to tune into some alternate sports, you know, other stuff going on. Soccer? You're, you're going to be in on soccer? Is that where baseball's at now? It's just classified as an alternate sport. It's not even a, a must watch anymore at this point. I'm not even surprised. No. I'm not going to be tuning into baseball. But like you said, we did it. The NBA season is over. Game five of the finals. It, it's been almost a week now at this point. I guess we're recording this Friday night. The finals ended Monday night. And I know it's been a couple of days, but I have already gone back and rewatched the game, that game five that the Nuggets won. And I, mm-hmm. I got to say, no, I for a game that was that low scoring and kind of sloppy and kind of ugly, like might have been just like maybe the ugliest playoff game that I've seen since since that 2016 game seven Warriors Cavs where it was just really slow. Nobody was making shots. It was really physical. The rest were letting a lot of stuff go. That game five, kind of honestly a classic game. And I think it's going to be like a low key hardwood classic type game because we talked about it. Denver up three one having a chance to clench the finals on their home court. And they had had a couple of games where, you know, they had won pretty convincingly. Maybe they go on their home court and do it in game five. But the Heat hung in there. They were winning, you know, winning for most of the game. Butler's charging at the at the end of the fourth quarter and hitting big shots, going crazy. But ultimately, Jokic pulls it out. Ultimately, they get the get the win. But I think that game five was for as ugly and as sloppy as it was one of the most like classic playoff games we've had in recent history. I mean, yeah, it was a lot closer than I think people thought it was going to be. It, it really came down to the last couple of minutes. I mean, Miami went up by one with less than two minutes left. And you think the Nuggets at home, they're going to pretty much, you know, smash them in the ground. It's going to be over. They're relying on Kyle Lowry to hit some threes, some crazy threes to even get close. Jimmy Butler looks totally out of it. And like they say, like most players say, all it takes is one shot. You see one shot go in and it's over. And that foul, that that was a ridiculous foul that they called on Aaron Gordon. I mean, that was that was just ridiculous. I mean, that's that's tough. But the Nuggets found a way to, you know, fight through it. You could really see, even with Butler having that resurgence, he was just pretty wasted, pretty tired. And I think he has been this whole series. You know, I, I don't really think it was the ankle. I know some people were mentioning it was uh, maybe it was he tweaked his ankle and stuff. But when you see him in this series, he definitely didn't seem as aggressive. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's facing more size than he did against the Celtics, more than any other series besides the first one where they didn't have to deal with their superstar for half of the games or, you know, halfway, half of the time of the game. So I think with, with this game, you know, it shows why Jimmy Butler – you know, we don't put him up there with the greats and the player who we all consider the number one, the best player of all time or not all time, but <laughs> the best player in the league right now, um, you know, showed up and what's supposed to happen did happen. There's a reason why I was giving the Nuggets congratulations. It's just I, I thought I know listening to Lilith Rasil's pod this week, 
you know, I, I try to agree with uh, what Austin Rivers said in there, where he's like, I kind of wish I saw Jimmy Butler, you know, go out guns blazing. And he kind of did at the very end, but just be more aggressive. You know, if he's going to put up a nine of 30 game, you know, at least he put up the shots, at least the best player on the team put up the shots. But instead, he passed up. He's a little bit more passive, and you know everyone's human beings. But it is. I think. I think Jimmy Butler will definitely be kicking himself after that series for not being more aggressive, and that's why the Nuggets are right now celebrating their first title in forty-seven years. And you could argue that of the the last three big playoff runs that Butler has had, that this one is like maybe the third best of the runs peaks in this last playoff run were way higher. I mean, what he did in that Milwaukee series, that's by far his best playoff series. And the numbers in that series were just insane, but start to finish like all the way through the playoffs. I mean, in that finals against the Lakers, he was putting up 26, seven and five shooting 55% from the field. That was until this buck series, probably just the best series all round and had an awesome and you know the 40 point triple double in that series as well and then last year in the in the playoffs in their run to the eastern conference finals puts up a 27 7 rebound four assists and two steal performance for the entire playoffs led the playoffs last year in value over replacement player win shares per 48 48 minutes box plus minus like all the advanced numbers from butler's playoff run last year are actually like significantly better than his playoff run this year. And you combine that with the shooting falling off, you know, some of the health being tired off, but like you said, just a mental sort of up and down for Jimmy in this finals was just not what we expect from this guy who has been this underrated superstar this whole time. But of all of his skill sets and all the things he does best, like his dog and his mentality are like, the number one things about him and to see those shaken in this finals was not something that I expected to see, to see him, you know, passing up shots to see him delegating to the role guys, the way he did. I mean, for the performances that the nuggets had where they won convincingly, the heat were scrapping around in a couple of these games. I mean, they won one of them on Denver's home court. And then in that game four at home, it was a five point game in the fourth quarter with eight minutes left. Butler takes zero shots in the last six minutes of that game. They end up losing. So if he's assertive and he's aggressive, it's close. Who knows what happens? And then in this game five, we just talked about, it was really like the early stages of the game where Butler was, you know, being aggressive or not being aggressive and delegating and passing the ball out. And then at the end of the game, when he's locked in and desperate and playing for his life, he's hitting shots. He's going crazy. It's kind of like we're getting old Jimmy Butler back again. And then all of a sudden he does just, you know, he drives into the lane. Jokic steps up to help with 30 seconds left the turnover to KCP. And now all of a sudden the game's over. They're shooting free throws to win, or maybe that was Bruce Brown, but he has the turnover at the end of game five to put it away. So if Butler is just, you know, more consistent and more aggressive, like you said, in this series, who knows if it's a closer series, we still probably would both, pick the nuggets to win ultimately but it could have been at least a more competitive series and i think on the Jokic side you know he's he's getting the love he's getting the praise deservedly so he's arguably the best player in the league right now it's either him or Giannis. but 
Do you think that Jokic got hot in this playoff run? Because if you look back at like the last couple of champions that we've had in the last guys to lead their teams to the titles, and you even like go back and think about the way Dirk elevated his performance in 2011, carried that Mavs team. Do you think Jokic got hot in this playoff series and was doing that? Because his numbers were like way better in the in the postseason than they were in the regular season. But do you think we could classify this run? We'll look back and say that's the stretch where Jokic got hot and carried his team to the title. I mean, I, I think there is that, but I think his normal level of play, I think would have also taken them to win the whole thing. Mm. Now, Jokic did do things that have never been done before in this mm. playoffs. He was the first player in history to lead the league in points, rebounds, and assists in a single postseason. So, I mean, he, he did stuff that had never been done before. So, obviously, he was hot. He was on fire this whole playoffs. And, you know, 47% from three is not something he's going to keep up his whole career. I mean, that's just a stupid um, – crazy high shooting percentage but at the same time the way he the way he played i mean there would have been closer series i mean you got to remember they only had what was it three losses three four losses this whole postseason five so five oh is it five total yeah okay five total between yeah four series so that's i mean one loss you know one a little over one loss per series so, I mean, if he had obviously not been as hot, they, I mean, they're still probably winning. It's just not in this dominating fashion. So, yeah, obviously, yes, he did get hot. But I think Jokic, the way he plays, his IQ, as we all know, uh, he just didn't have a bad game no matter what because of, you know, how smart he is. And his, I think his teammates got hot as well. Jamal Murray really showed up. Um, Aaron Gordon, the last couple of games, went to in pretty much another level, especially that game four. And it just, they just, they all knew what time it was. They all recognized the situation, the time and situation, and they all stepped up to the plate. And I think it's something that they can definitely, I think they can run it back. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have another deep run. Um, but I, I don't know if we're ready to call it dynasty, you know, but I think they're going to be competitive for a very long time just because. And it's not just because of Jokic's play on the court, but also off the court. Um, mm. Definitely, like we see with all these press conferences and things like that, I think going a little bit before, people are like, oh, is this real or not? You know, does he really, really care? And he's just pretending not to. And no, I mean, he he does his job and he's great. But, you know, for him, he's able to detach himself from his work, you know. So it's not taking he's not taking that mental beating as we've seen so far obviously he cares about it and you know the stress because it's a job but he's able to detach from work he's able to take care of himself mental well-being he puts you know other stuff outside of his job on number one and we've seen you know the mental load of being that number one drag down players and he knows how to take care of his body um on the on the court you know he doesn't really push himself too much i mean we've seen him he 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 did do you know some physically great things, but he doesn't rely on his athleticism for his play. Uh, he he's going to be playing like he is like for a long time, you know. And um, so those two combinations, on top of just his high IQ and just just on and off the court, and you know all his teammates love him, great leader, um, very low maintenance. Um, that people have said, teammates have said, him and Jamal Murray. 
there's just a perfect recipe for greatness for a really long time on a level that I don't know if we've seen before. And if you just take a step back and look at Jokic's numbers, and again, they're crazy historic, like the numbers that he put up in this playoff run for most people that have played basketball, it would, again, it would be, they got hot. This was insane. They were playing out of their mind and carried their team to the finals. But if you look at some of the shooting numbers for Jokic in this playoffs run, and just like look into some of the advanced stats as well too. And if you look at what the other stars have done the last couple of years, carrying their team to the finals, Kawhi in 19, that playoff run is the third most total points of any player ever in the playoffs in history. His field goal percentage in the regular season was 49.6%. He was 49% in the playoffs, which is it's extremely hard to maintain your same field goal efficiency from the regular season to the playoffs, which is the increased physicality. And if you remember in that Warrior series as well at the end too, he was kind of hurt, kind of not playing as well near yeah. the end of the playoffs. So if you take out the last two games, his field goal percentage was actually better. Same for LeBron in 20 in the bubble season, his field goal percentage went from 49% to 56%. Giannis in the playoffs, when he won, his field goal percentage stayed the same for the entire run. But I mean, those last four game in the finals, he was putting up a 38, 12 and five, two blocks a game, just playing out of his mind, two way basketball. Jokic in the regular season this year shot 63% from the field. And it, it would seem impossible to do that for playoff run. Again, it's hard to maintain efficiency like that in the playoffs. It's just super physical. The games get tougher. The games get slower. And he was still really efficient in this playoff run. He was 54% from the field, but that is lower than his field goal percentage from last year of 57%. And his field goal percentage last year, it's smaller sample size, but he did that with his three-point percentage being nearly twice as twice as low. He shot only 27% from the three in the last playoff run. So there are some of the numbers we go. Jokic just kind of did what Jokic is capable of, and it was enough to win the title. So there is potentially a playoff run in the future where if Jokic gets hot, not just like if some, even all time, like if some great player gets hot and puts up some, insane numbers like if Jokic gets hot and like puts all of these shooting pieces together and is just lights out can't miss and doing the playmaking and the score like the ceiling I mean it's already like top 10 all you know top 15 all time but that's when you talk yeah. about is this dynasty running it back like what is this team capable of because I think this run was really just establishing what Jokic is capable of in the playoffs, not necessarily like even Giannis in that playoff run, like was kind of the best version of Giannis that was available. I don't know if we saw the best version of Jokic in this playoffs. We saw a great version of Jokic, a great version of a basketball player for any player, but from game two against the Lakers to game four against Miami, he quote unquote only shot 50% from the field, less than 80%. From the free throw line. So I Jokic, I think, is just established. He just clearly just established himself as this is what when you put a team around it, like this is what he's capable of as a star because 
like you have pointed out, you know, time and time again over this year, this is the first time that they've actually had this core together and had an opportunity to make a playoff run and actually have a championship level team around him. And well, what is Jokic capable of when he has a championship level team around him? We just saw it. He just won a championship. And I don't even think he was necessarily, you know, playing outside of like what he is capable of doing. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the interesting um, points some people have made up brought up is that maybe the Nuggets inadvertently benefited from having those injuries, allowing Jamal Murray and Jokic not to get those playoff scars like the Celtics, um, but still continue to develop into their NBA bodies. Now, obviously, they would want to play those games, mm-hmm. but uh, it could be a benefit that they had. And when you look at Jokic, like like you know we've seen the last couple of years, when you look at the stats, he's been putting up ungodly crazy stats it's not been a one-year thing two-year thing i mean this is three years yet and plus i mean back-to-back mvp guy so that's why you know that's that's why we both of us we're agreeing on this that it's not a flash in the pan kind of thing it's not a one a single postseason run kind of thing it's just he's actually has a team around him that has mm-hmm. a chance to win the title so when you i mean when you look at right now his playoff win shares per 48 um, he is fourth all time between LeBron and MJ and George Mikan. And hmm. in the single postseason run, he has, I think, per counting the averaging it out for the, each game for the number of games he played, he has averaged or he has generated the most points of offense out of any other player of all time. And that's like a single run um, this postseason when you count points and assists. So, I mean, those are just to point, point, you know, he has shown that he can step up in the playoffs to take another step. And him, it's, it feels like he just does it so casually. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy. It's crazy to watch him play. And it's, it's interesting to have a different kind of star. I think the last couple of years, you know, we've had LeBron. I mean, even going back to MJ, you know, it's caring super much, caring too much, you know, being obsessive about every little thing. And then you have Kobe copying them. And then, you know, you have LeBron chasing the ghost, trying to be the greatest of all time. Then you come into this time where, you know, people are becoming more friends, you know, different from back in the day with like Larry Bird and Magic where they're rivals. Now everyone plays together. They're kind of, you know, more chill, you know, Booker, Tatum, that kind of generation. And now you got players from even from overseas who come with totally different philosophies, some who don't even care about, you know, NBA basketball. Some teammates have said, Austin Rivers was mentioning that Jokic watches more European basketball and watches his friend more than NBA basketball. And, um, you know, he's he's chilling in the locker room playing, you know, playing games and then going out there and dominating. So it, it's, it's something I love personally because I love the more variety and diversity we have in the league, the better. And you get all these different schools of thought where you can range from Giannis, from Joel Embiid, from these guys who make basketball their lives, who are just so focused on it. And then you get more into, you know, Jokic, you know, Doncic, obviously, Doncic, you know, is a little bit closer to Booker. But, you know, guys who still care, obviously, they still care. They want to go out and compete. They still want to win. But who don't make it their lives and, you know, who are good sports. I mean, you know, Jokic dabbed up and, you know, every single Miami player after that game because he respected them. And I, I really do, you know, believe that, you know, 
you know, respecting them as opponents and just seeing that different kind of philosophy is why the league is continuing to improve and why I completely disregard anyone who's like, oh, it was better in the old days. No, it wasn't better. The league is going in the right direction. And with the new superstar as the face of the league, it's going to be interesting to see how the league now handles marketing him and using him as their main guy with the with the old guard starting to be phased out now. And I think that that fifth playoff loss is actually kind of good for them because as we've talked about, like, Jokic might have a better playoff run in him, but just this team in general with the contract situations, with the age of these guys, there's a world where they're actually just better next year. Like they're going to run this whole thing back. Jamal Murray's actually going to be healthy for a full regular season. Michael Porter Jr. just played like the most consecutive plus most important. Like he just had a really crucial run for his career and his development if they bring back Bruce Brown, KCP still under co- contract. Christian Braun is entering his second year. Like that's basically your top seven, just automatically returning, fill in the gaps with some minimum contract guys for the regular season. But playoff minutes, like oh, yeah, you have your seven guys already on your team, and they might take a step forward. I there might be a better version of this Nuggets team and a better playoff run. To come because, again, in these playoff games, that Lakers series and in this Heat series, those teams were scrapping. Those teams were fighting. They were in these games. The the games were all close in the fourth quarter in that Lakers series. There were close games against the Heat here in this finals. And it was just the Nuggets' competence and the Nuggets' ability to execute in these fourth quarters to play mistake free and they just out executed and just outplayed these teams at the end of these games and that's really what you know propelled them to win the title they didn't dominate everybody it didn't storm through the league but they were the absolutely the best team in the league and they absolutely executed better than everybody in these fourth quarters and absolutely better than everybody down the stretch so as these guys continue to, to improve and now that they've actually made the playoff run and knows what it's going to take, I I think that there's a better version of this Nuggets team ahead of us. So I actually think we should pump the brakes on the, you know, the, this Nuggets team is like a dominant Nuggets team. It was a great Nuggets team, a great performance by Jokic. But first franchise title, like you can't be much happier, but not, not to get the Nuggets fans all hyped up, but I, you know, I, I think they might actually have a brighter future. I mean, we could be talking, you know, similar to LeBron or not LeBron, uh, similar to what's his face. Um, Pat, Pat Mahomes, you know, where we see all these crazy stats, you know, carrying a team and, you know, they finally get the first one for the, for their team, but you know, everyone kind of knows they're going to be there for more than they're going to be there a lot more years coming up and to see them, you know, really just have build build uh their team from the ground up, really really small team or you know not really like one of the big city areas. It's it's crazy. So, mm-hmm. but one thing I did want to come back and bring up, Rev, is they actually did have four losses only this postseason. Or yeah, they lost one against Miami, swept the Lakers, had two against the Suns, and then one against the Timberwolves. And okay. the only 
okay that have done that while yep. i was still alive yep. are the 2017 warriors um you know arguably one of the greatest teams of all time the greatest uh spurs timmy d in 07 yes sir 2001 and 2002 lakers you know just mm-hmm. stupidly good and then 1999 that was i don't know but spurs again i think that was david robinson I'm trying to Timmy remember because that was what when did Timmy D yeah Timmy D got drafted after that. No, that was his had, second year. Or he got I mean drafted before that and then they went on the run. Yeah. And then then we start getting into the Bulls era for their rings were with two or less losses and then yeah. But and pretty much, you know, the last twenty five years it's what about been this? they didn't lose what about the, the so wait, they lost one to the Timberwolves, two to the Suns, one to the one to the Heat. Yep. Yeah, four losses, which is crazy, crazy stuff. But hey, maybe they can do the unthinkable and go perfect in the postseason. You know, the the roof is the ceiling, like the goat said. But they people there. It's interesting to see the storylines that will be remembered from this championship because you know there are people mentioning, oh, they beat a four seed, a seven seed, and eight seed. You know, they beat in a beat a couple playing teams. But, you know, those playing teams were stacked with talent, all-time players, maybe not in their prime, but they did beat, you know, Durant, Booker, LeBron, AD, you know, Jimmy on another level. And so it doesn't, in my book, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter uh, to what what seed those players, what seed those teams were, because the great ones are going to be playing on a different level, especially when they're older, like we mentioned earlier. That we are having passing of the guard. And so those old guys, you know, they can't be on this kind of level for a whole season. And so, of course, they're going to do it for a stretch where they just reach that upper echelon. And that's that's what happened this postseason with a lot of those teams. And it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, with the Nuggets, if they can continue the, this tradition of being if, of these four lost teams in the postseason, you know, the whole postseason being dynasties, because all those teams were, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, pretty big dynasties. And so I think that's why people are mentioning they'll be dynasty. Their age helps. And, but I, I think the West East is pretty stacked. It's going to be really tough for them. But I don't know if they, you know, like John Moran said, I think they're fine in the West. All of the teams that you mentioned, you know, they've all won multiple titles. The Lakers, obviously, two years there. The Spurs, it's not like they won back to back in the 07 range, but they won the five titles over the course of the run, the Warriors and Curry over his stretch. So I guess, you know, I just, I'm blinded by my Spurs fan and I want him to keep in that sacred four win territory. But I guess, I guess the Nuggets are in it now. And to beat LeBron and Davis this year, like Davis was probably when he was at his peak. And even in that series, like top five guy in the league, like he was still fantastic. LeBron still playing at an all NBA level to beat those guys and just go back and watch like third quarter game four, like him being the best player on the floor in that series, what the nuggets did in that series validated that title. Same with the Phoenix suns as well too. Like, you know, they didn't have the depth top to bottom like the nuggets do. Like, all of the guys besides Jokic in the starting five are top 10 picks. I guess Porter was 14, but Murray top 10. KCP was eight. So, uh, yeah, Aaron Gordon was top 10 as top 10 mm. as well. So, you know, the Suns, obviously not the overall depth, but to beat KD and Booker as well. So to beat the top 
and guys like it's it's a legit playoff run and I think we agree the over under for this team now for titles is at least like one and a half like they it's now in that this is a multiple title team because even with that Giannis Bucks team like we're seeing now and you've said it that Middleton as your core guys like the core that Giannis has been playing with is obviously not the core that Jokic has going forward the age of those guys when they won the title as well too compared to the ages of Murray and Porter Jr. They're just younger players more years ahead of them. So of the teams that have emerged the last couple of years to actually win the titles, yeah, the Nuggets are in the best position to sort of secure that dynasty status. And the fact that they can lock down all of these guys this offseason and keep this team together for a two to three year stretch and to get all this done before this CBA stuff kicks in before the second apron stuff kicks in before it just gets harder to make these moves. They can settle in, get at least the seven guys settled down for the next, you know, three to four years and keep that window open. And if as long as Jokic is there, the window's open, but the window for these guys, especially if they, if they bring back Bruce Brown and, a drunken Michael Malone at the press conference said <laughs> that they were they were going to do it. So, if yeah. drunk Michael Malone I is trust that, yeah, if he's a reliable source, then the dynasty window I think is officially open for the Denver Nuggets. No, it definitely is. It is completely open, and I'm trying to pull up the yeah. Looking at the Bucks roster, it's kind of kind of ridiculously scary. How old their roster is. It's one of the oldest at, in the league. Yeah, definitely. It's easily top five. Easily it's, top five. I have the top uh top seven somewhere here. Let me see. Uh yeah, it's Suns they're the third. They're third. Okay. Suns, Clippers, Bucks, Mavs, Celtics, Heat, Sixers. Celtics, Sixers, Heat. Okay. Is the top seven. I mean, for a, a player like Giannis, who is, you know, he's now getting into his prime. I think. You know, we no longer consider him a young player. Yeah. But to have such a really old team around him, you know, Drew Holiday has been in the league for a while. I mean, and people forget he was on the 76ers, I'm pretty sure. Well, Drew um, Holiday's not the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. But he's still getting older. Like, he's not going to keep getting better. You know, he isn't the problem. He had a great season this past year. Um, But, I mean, he's 33 years old. You know, he's not – there's going to be a drop-off at some point with him. Like we've mentioned, we already seen it with Chris Middleton. You know, Brooke Lopez. It's it's not looking great. You know, in terms of age, he's still he's still playing decent. Um, he still had a solid year, but he's thirty five now, and it's starting. Their team is starting to become a recipe similar to the Heat, where they're just their guys getting older, and they're I mean they're overperforming. They're playing great, you know. And as long as you have Giannis, he's going to make it work. But it is going to be interesting to see how they're going to flip this team to for the next five years uh because if these guys just age out you're just gonna keep losing all these assets and before you know it you know we're gonna start seeing Giannis edits again um in different jerseys so I mean I think that's a that's a storyline that no one's talking about <laughs> I know it's all like, oh, no one's talking about this but no I, I think it's something that no one no one actually is talking about because it's just it's kind of under the radar and it's not a worrying issue and there's bigger stuff going on on the horizon which we'll talk about later but it's definitely it's definitely something that should get a light shine on because if, i mean if i'm Giannis, this is pretty good off season more than any 
to start moving some pieces because your players are still valued pretty close to their top value. You know, Chris Middleton's value is pretty falling off. But, you know, Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday, they've had good years. So you could you could get pretty much what you're going to get for them um, in the next couple of years. And, you know, maybe maybe it's time to take a little step back, see what you got. You got a new coach, you know, in there. So maybe try to break it up a little bit, which I know they won't. They're going to run it back. But uh, I, I think they should, you know, maybe maybe look at some options this offseason. So this is according to spot track. So this is the ages for the teams. Top five, like I said, Suns, Clippers, Bucks third. Mavs fourth, Celtics six. Guess where the Nuggets are at for average age? I guess 22, like 22 rank. A second. Almost 21. Oh, okay. All right. The Indiana Pacers, you think they're a young team? Average age, 25.7 years old. The Nuggets are younger, 25.6. The Cleveland, oh, okay. the Cleveland Cavs. Bunch of young stars, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley. Yeah. They're older, 26.2. Oh, wow. Shady Osmond is dragging them down or something. They're, they're one spot ahead of the Charlotte Hornets, who have the second pick in the draft. Oh, also, quickly, can people stop hating on LaMelo? His value has sunk so far. Hmm. I, I, it's kind of wild. I'm just saying, this is a quick aside. When LaMelo comes back and is, like, dominating half the league, like, I'm just saying, like, y'all, just because he fell on some guy's foot and tweaked his ankle, he, he's not a bum, okay? All these trades with the second round, with the second pick overall and all that, oh, can they break? He's a, he's, he is going to be a great player, and, you know, I'm just going to throw that out there. I've just seen his value and the way he's talked about by, you know, pretty significant people in the league as, like, a bottom feeder, you know, questioning him as you know whether he's like even a backup point guard and he, he's gonna be a future star and uh don't forget that but you know that's that's just a quick rant rookie season he put up a 15 6 and 6 he was an all-star last year i forgot about that made the all-star no. team 20, 20 points a game six six rebounds seven assists this year it was cut short with injury obviously but mm-hmm. 23 6 8 assists 37% from the three. He's a shooter. I'm telling you, a Scoot LaMelo backcourt, we're all in. It's it's going to, I mean, yeah, that's that's going to be fun. Probably best players and best backcourt in Hornets history. Like, <laughs> hmm. where, where, if, if LaMelo is even like second team All-NBA, where does that rank all-time for Hornets? <laughs> like, is that just like, is he already competing for like top 10 Hornets players of all time? Like, Well, Kemba's the last person to make All-NBA, right? From Hornet, he was yeah, third, yeah, got that exactly. third team in there. Yeah, I think it's like Kemba. Yeah, I don't know who else. Like, if and you LaMelo, get weird and count like Chris Paul, you know, the talking thing. Like, is Lamelo already a top ten Hornet? Is he a top five Hornet? Like, you know, who's who's pushing him out the list? Like Nick Batum. So right now, Charlotte win shares leaders for their careers. Mm-hmm. Kemba's number one. Gerald Wallace, yeah, number two. Oh, okay. Is LaMelo Ball better than Gerald Wallace? Larry All Johnson right. at four is disrespectful. Larry Johnson at his peak, better than any of these guys. Del Curry at five. Del Damn. Curry, a stud for the Bad franchise. Out. And if, if you count commentating win shares, 
you know, easily top three Hornet of all time. Genetic well, winters. Yeah. Yeah. Very possible, especially if Steph comes home. They have Cody Zeller six. So I the case for LaMelo top five is strong. If if Curry comes and plays with the Hornets when he's like 38, 39, and he's like, he has one, he has like one Derrick Rose game where he puts up 40 and like rest of the time he's like bummed. Do they still retire his jersey? Like, is it still is it still hanging in the Raptors? If he signs with the Hornets and just just to retire a Charlotte Hornet and never steps on the court, there there's a case. I mean, there's a case they put his jersey in the Raptors that oh way alone. I I hope he never do it. Steph, stay stay in Golden State. There's no reason oh, to tarnish yeah, your yeah, legacy. Leave, go to bro. go to Charlotte. All right, all right. We're way off track, but hey, it's our pod. We can do whatever the heck we want. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I think we already talked about the Heat. Uh, Miami, Jokic is the GOAT. Um, I think we wanted to get into a little bit of the draft. Speaking of bottom. Oh, no, 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 no. Next new champ. This is another stellar segment by the one and only. Pretty much looking at the next franchise most likely to break their title purse their 10 teams without having larry o'brien over at their place and um ready to pick you i mean i guess one of the teams on there is the grizzlies we totally skipped over um the biggest news mm. after the finals adam silver kept his word you know finals are over he said he would say what the suspension would be and um it, he it was announced by the league that it would be 25 games um, John Moran is suspended from any uh, team activities or practices during that time as well. So he, he's just completely disconnected. And shout out to Rob Mahoney for a great article on the ringer because it really put in frame why it was such a severe, uh, why it was such a severe punishment. I mean, the uh, NBA PA, the Players Association, has already stated that it was way too big of a punishment. That's usually 10-ish games for something like this. You know, something where it's on his own personal time. He, he showed a gun in a video. Like, no matter what you believe with gun control laws and stuff like that. He, he, I mean, it, there, we're talking about a league where we have situations like mob bridges. You know, we, we've had like way worse stuff. Henry Ruggs, like there's there's actual stuff going on. And he did show a gun in a video. So, you know, we still want to put in perspective of other things that have happened. But the main issue with this problem that, you know, Rob only pointed to and is most and which the league pointed to in their press release is not so much that he did it, but that he did it again and mm -hmm. an outright defiance to the league. The league already punished him. And it was more of, you know, if we're going to let him go off, you know, doing these stuff that we punish and he's just not listening, then that can lead to other stuff with other players. You know, the league pretty much losing control of stuff. I mean, we've seen a little bit of that with the Mavs tanking for their pick, getting fined and stuff like that. And so... I mean, reading that article and reading that, it made sense why it's 25 games. It made sense why the why Silver was so serious about it. Why And he seemed really hurt by it happening. I mean, obviously, he doesn't want any player to be going off the rails. And it was, it was, it was just a really good article. I recommend reading it. But, yeah, I guess what, what, was, what did you see from it, Rem? And, you know, where do the Grizzlies now move on from here? Just pretty much stay pat. The issue – if you take issue with what he did, then, you know, you have your own views or whatever, you know, it is what it is. But the issue, yeah. like you said, was the league was very firm and very definitive that 
they were against his actions and more importantly that his actions were to not be repeated silver said that when the initial thing happened he came out very strong was very serious very sober about the whole thing the league just in general taking that strong of a stance and making that big of an issue of it like when it comes back around and happens again you, you just by default as a league and as a business and as an organization you have to take a stronger stand and that's what the league did here and when the you know silver was saying that this was really going to affect the team and the people around him. So this suspension is, it obviously sucks for jaw. He's suspended 25 games. He's suspended without pay as well too. So a chunk of the season that large, like to lose that much money. I don't know if there's been like a fine that's been bigger than that, or a player that's been suspended. For I think it's like 25 mil, right? It's from a or 10 mil season. Yeah. I don't know what the largest amount of money that's, a player has lost is, but John Morant's going to lose a big portion of it. But for the Grizzlies, this is kind of best case scenario because I mean, for one, they've proven that they're a good regular season team without John Morant on the court. They've proven they can get by and win games. Obviously they're not the top tier team, but they've proven they can sustain themselves and the punishment being harder for jaw again, for the Grizzlies, to lose him for the first 25 games is rough, but to have him for the back half of the season and for the playoffs and for the most important stretches of the season and to be able to build, you know, build chemistry and get a rhythm together and get a flow and just to be able to have some momentum headed into the postseason, which this past season, they did not at all zero momentum. The vibes were bad around that team. Yeah. You know, I they're they're gonna they will be able to work around this. I think the fact that it's the Grizzlies specifically and that they've proven that they can maintain in the regular season is gonna help as well. But 25 games, it's tough. But I do think this is best case scenario considering considering just how hard the league seemed like they wanted to come down and just seeming and just how serious they seemed with the whole thing. But yeah, I mean they put their foot down 25 games is no joke but again to have him for those playoff man, like John Morant last year missed 25 games the season before that you know he only played 60 games as well he's missed time they've already sort of had to deal with that so now they they know they get him for the postseason they get him for you know it's not half the season as well too they get him for a large chunk of the season so you know he's not going to be on the all-star team not going to make all NBA he's obviously losing millions and millions of dollars oh but yeah that is a good point especially with you know, all, the yeah, new yeah. restrictions and all that stuff in mm -hmm. place like it's just wipe away the awards for john morant next year mm -hmm. when he should be really like a first team all nba yeah. level guard but it's a tough situation i think you know i think this is in a way best case scenario for everybody and they know after 25 games they can put their heads down and move forward because again ja, ja morant is a first team all nba level guard and to get him back out there as soon as possible and in the right mindset is the number one priority for the grizzlies yeah and um yeah for the fine thing I, I was thinking more of how much he's losing and it looks like according to the article he's losing over seven million which is a lot of money for pretty much mm. uh, pretty much an extension of a fine but um i think also i mean this was personal in terms of 
the not necessarily the NBA. Oh, well, yeah, the NBA and yeah. how they handled this because John Morant went and looked at himself in the eye and told him this is not going to happen again. And, you know, did he do the video on purpose? Was it an accident? You know, we may never know, but he still put himself in a situation for something that, like that to happen. So it, 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 it still, it, it still was, you know, to, to the league, this was another level just because it wasn't, you know, this player over here, you know, we didn't really talk to him, but we're just hanging out. No, this is something where I guess silver, you know, and what it seemed like in that interview during the finals where, you know, people were mentioning, you know, we look like a hurt father is it seemed like there was a relationship. There was an understanding and John Moran broke it. And so the league, I mean, it is, it is a contract with the team, which is part of the league. So, you know, he is in a contract with the league and, you know, when you're, uh, when you're pretty much going against what your boss is telling you at some point, they got to punish you. So, just, just the, not only it being uh, uh, something that the league already told him to stop, but something that Adam Silver went out of his way to talk to him about. Because I mean, he knows the importance of John Moran. It's not this is not some bench guy on some bum team. I mean, it's someone who potentially could be, you know, the face of the league, one of the better, one of the best, could be one of the best players in the league. You know, two three years from now. So it's 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 a whole another level of stuff. It's you know, a whole another situation, a whole another exposure, and. Um, like you mentioned, though, it's definitely best case scenario, considering some of the possibilities that were thrown out there with him being out for the whole year. Um, who, who knows what else, you know, they could have mentioned. And uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Grizzlies are going to. I, I think for them, the bigger impact is going to be off the court than on because, you know, it's going to be tough for your best player to be a leader on the team if he's out here getting suspended. Like, he's not going to be around the team officially. Like, chances are he's, you know, unofficially. I mean, that's that's obvious. But officially, like, he's not on this team flights, not there in practices. You know, that that's still got to count something for chemistry on top of, I mean, they're, they're, they're younger guys, but they're still grown adults. Like, and so you're supposed to, you know, trust your guy or trust – your star or put faith in your star who you don't may not have as much respect for or who it's harder to have respect for. I mean, I think you can objectively say it's harder to have respect for a guy who's getting suspended by the league. And so it's, it's just, uh, it's gonna, it's, I mean, for a team that already has identity issues with the whole thing going on with Dylan Brooks and Mm -hmm. him getting kicked out. And now the GM is trying to pretty much change their culture. So you have this little topsy turvy. So while it is a good, outcome for the Grizzlies it's still not all sunny in Memphis they still got a lot of work to do in a West that now has a dominant team on top that has teams that are better that are looking to team up who knows where LeBron goes you know we'll talk more about that but you know Suns they still have Katie and Booker they're still there so who knows how long but they're still there uh but yeah the Grizzlies got their work cut out for them and for a team that is that doesn't really have a proven uh, concept, proven, I don't know how you say it, proven work concept, something like that, compared to most of the other contenders who have established stars, who have players who've been through the wars, most of them who have won rings, especially now with Denver winning. Um, Phoenix has, you know, Katie's won one, Booker has been to the finals. Um, go down the list, you know, look at other teams. Uh, you know, it's just, it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting. The Grizzlies, their, their, it's their, their path is 
their future is very murky, probably the most out of any contender right now in the West. The worst part is, like you said, they are a contender. And if the team to go through is the Nuggets and the player to beat now is Jokic, like if Jokic is the standard and you have to go, well, what do we have to have? What are the pieces we need to beat a guy like Jokic? The Nuggets didn't really have to play a guy like Ja in the playoffs. A guard that's just super athletic, can attack Jokic downhill, out of the pick and roll, is going to make his life miserable. Finishing at the rim, he's not going to be afraid. He's going to go after him. Like They did have to match up against Anthony Edwards in the first round, but that Timberwolves team is obviously, you know, eight, they're just, they're not going to compete. Like to match up against super elite guard, good team. Like they didn't really play against that in the playoffs. Oh, Booker? Booker for sure. More of a patient player. I mean, great play. Like LeBron is, you know, yeah. a bully downhill Butler, even though he was, you know, up and down mentally and, you know, attacking in the playoffs. Yeah. Like he should be able to attack downhill out of the pick and roll. But somebody with the speed and athleticism of Jaw and even Anthony Edwards, like if he were to have the right type of team around, like that's the guy that would give Jokic the most problems and his expose his biggest weakness, which is his defense and is keeping up in the pick and roll. And the Grizzlies have that guy. They have Jaw. And if Jaron Jackson, you know, if he continues to develop, they have a big that they can throw at him and is defensively minded and the wings and the depth that are there. Like the Grizzlies should be in like a title window right now, like between this, this playoff run and, you know, this coming playoff run, like these should be the years where they should be, you know, making their deep runs and getting those reps as guys together and building that experience. But, you know, it's all going to be murky. Now the Lakers matchup was a bad matchup in the playoffs last year. Like, you know, that's understandable. Maybe they lose that series anyways, but the vibes were not good. The chemistry was off. The Dylan Brooks thing was a whole separate issue. And, you know, hopefully it's, they're not throwing away this year as well, because they should be title contenders. Jaws, a first team, all NBA guy. He has, I think what it takes to make life difficult for Jokic and, is there a weird world where you know to to sit out 25 games in the beginning of the regular season like in a load management era could that be weirdly beneficial to the grizzlies if he's coming in a little bit fresher like is there a silver lining here for grizzlies fans if john morant is getting a break to start the season because morant actually has gotten hurt like in the last couple of years in the playoffs, he's had some injuries. That's that's could be his style of play, but maybe his body needs the rest. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Is there some weird deflate gate conspiracy where you get Brady on the four games of rest? John Morant, fresh legs. He already can out jump everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't you know with that I I do actually for for John Morant he needs as much rest as he can get. He just. The way he treats his body is not great. The man needs some self-love, especially in that series against the Warriors. I mean, he was taking some wild jumps, and, uh, yeah, it was crazy. But uh, I would push back a bit on that with the athletic guard. I actually don't think that is Jokic's weakness because I think in situations like that, unless the athletic guard is Michael Jordan and can shoot as well, you know, they can play off them. They have enough size in the paint. And for someone like that, he all he wants to do is sit in the paint and let that guy drive at him. 
So I, I think I think actually you would be fine against someone like that. And the player that's actually given more trouble is more of a of a shooter at the guard spot, someone who can get whatever shot they want. I mean, the Warriors, you know, they've given the Nuggets troubles over the last couple of years. And Booker, when you go back to that series, first of all, yeah. Booker yeah. and KD were the only team in the playoffs to give them more than one loss. They did take them to six. And if we throw out that last game six where he was in, you know, he was pretty much beat up. I mean, even Monty Williams literally said he could see Booker injured. So that's why he took him out. Every other game, his av- he was averaging 34 and a half points, 34.6, so 35 and 7.8. So 35 and eight, you know, on 60% from the field, 57 from three, 89 from free throw. So pretty much 60, 50, 90. Hmm. And, you know, of course he was, hot obviously for having those ridiculous shooting numbers but he was he was the only player giving them troubles and you know if he had you know not Wainwright playing regular minutes for a team he had actual players around him who knows it could have been a real series so I, I think the real player real um call it kryptonite for Jokic is a guard who can shoot um someone who can attack him someone who is still quick um, like Booker, he can still get his shot, but someone who, you know, he, he's his main, their main, uh, their three level, level scores. And for John Moran, especially with the size that was shown this past postseason, we've seen their, uh, the, that the Nuggets were able to hold out the Heat, who we know are probably the toughest team in the league. So they're tough enough to handle whatever John Morant's going to throw at them. So I, I think, I think, you know, while it, I mean, I kind of get it. I, I, I think I'd lean with the guard who shoots and um, I think Curry, you know, I haven't looked at his stats, but I know he played against well against the Nuggets all the time too. Yeah. I mean, Curry is going to give you problems in a playoff series. Same with Booker, but they, the Warriors in that series specifically, it was pick and roll attack downhill. And, I, Anthony Edwards' mm. numbers in the in the series against the Nuggets this year were off the charts as well, too. Take yeah. out game one, he put up 35, 5-5, five five, 49% from the field, 35.9%, basically 36% from three. And the game that they won off the Timberwolves, he was doing, you know, the, he was doing that tacking, getting to the rim. He was just finishing over Jokic and shooting in like perimeter style, doing the, the full yeah. package as well. But stylistically, like that's, I think, what Jaw is. He's just a miniature version of it, obviously. But he is more in that Anthony Edwards athletic guard type realm with the way he gets his shots and the way he creates offense for himself. But I think we're what we're saying is the Nuggets basically just didn't have to play any of the top guards in the league. Like, I guess, they, you know, like in the right situation, like, Booker's yeah. team and that Suns team was depleted again. Edwards in on that Timberwolves situation is just obviously it's not enough. So, you know, Shea as that nugget as that Thunder's team continues to grow and get pieces around him, like is he a guy that could be a kryptonite to Jokic? Like oh, I don't know. Is this Kramer? Is this where the is this where the West has to pivot now to? Is that to go away from the bigs? And to the guards, because we just saw Jokic just torch Davis, torch Bam. Nobody can stop him. Is this going to be a – you have to focus now for guards? I mean, you better hope that, that uh, Brian Wright doesn't listen to our podcast. Uh, y'all's GM, because, you know, there, of course, one Banyama is number one. Yeah, yeah. But, 
but no, I mean, I I think it's just you know, it's 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 just having their area of focus. You know what the team is built to be, and they're built to be teams with wings, big athletic wings, who most of the championship teams have had the last couple of years, which is what the teams most teams have been looking for is big wings um, who are number one scores. And that's, I mean, the Nuggets are the Heat played right into their hands. Um, the Lakers played right into their hands. I mean, LeBron had pretty much, didn't he have 40 in that last game? I'm pretty sure he had 40 somewhere there. Yeah, I think he did. Uh, yeah, he had 40 and it didn't even matter. So it's just, I mean, it was, it was a two point game. It almost mattered. But the point is, is that this team is built to, you know, mostly guard bigger guys. They have a really big team. And so, you know, who, who knows? We'll, we'll get our chance to see it throughout the season. It's they're going to meet up at some point, you know, if you're shooting hot, it doesn't matter who's playing on defense on you. You're going to have a good game. So, I mean, that's everyone's kryptonite is a good shooter, uh, yeah. but you know, not much you can do against that, but um, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, teams are going to be brainstorming. That's going to be the off season thing. And it's kind of interesting compared to the last couple of years, where we had a champion, especially like last year with the Warriors, like Nolan's really looking at the Warriors as a team to beat, um, you know, just giving props for winning. And then, you know, I guess maybe with the Bucks, you know, them winning one, uh, um, I'm kind of, yeah, I guess there wasn't as much dynasty talk, which I don't really know why. Maybe it's just, you know, they did go down. Wasn't it 2-1? This ones were up 2-1, I think, or 2-0, somewhere there. Um, I think they were up at that some point in that series. So it was a lot closer um, but just the dominant way the Nuggets won this series, it's and you know, Jokic on another level. It's gonna be interesting to see what people are gonna be cooking up in the labs this offseason to beat them because it's uh it's got me composed. Yeah, no, the secret to basketball when building a team is usually just get the best players available. Usually, I mean, you get to a point where yeah. their fit stuff gets involved, but guard, forward wing, if you're a team and you're trying to build a team, just just get good players, but they, you know, they did get lucky with some of the matchups and that's what you have to do to get win championships. Like the path has to get lucky. Yeah. The path has to fall in your favor. It fell in the nuggets favor this year, but I think this year proves, like we said, this was again, their first run at it and it was enough to win the championship. So now that they've established themselves and now that they know what it takes like against these other teams with pedigree against these other champions against these other matchups. Like I, you know, they're just going to be going in with a different mindset, a different toughness. Again, the roster is just going to be in place. All those guys are going to be yeah. better. So yeah, I mean the, the teams that are going to be best position going forward, we all know are going to be the teams with women. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not they have guards, but I, I guess to, to, to go back to the job rant thing. Yeah. Like, hopefully long-term, like you said, the off the, the off the court stuff now is the most important stuff. I think that's like you said, I think that's the, the key point. Okay. Cause this Grizzlies team is, is a contending team and they should be now in position where they're starting to make playoff runs. So hopefully that doesn't get messed up with this suspension, but the Grizzlies front office, the coaching staff, the organization, there has been enough stability and competence there that if it was if this was going to hit any team in any franchise like the Grizzlies I think can weather this I think they have the stability to get through this they have the guys that are young enough to you know if it has to be next year 
they're all still be in their primes. Hopefully it'll be all good and well, but I trust Memphis to come out on the better side of this. I trust John Morant to come out on the better side of this. I'm going to buy all the John Morant stock this off season. He was first team, all NBA was playing at a first team, all NBA level before the injuries and the suspension and the off the court stuff. He's going to be back. He's going to be better than ever. So I'll be all in on job. Well, the stock's going to dip this summer. People are going to be out yeah. on the Grizzlies, but I'm, when he comes back, I'm all in. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jad Jaws, his talent hasn't gone anywhere. And once he comes back, he's going to put it on full display. And I think, yeah. And like you mentioned, that front office probably, is, you know, up, really pushing for maybe top three, top two, the most competent front offices in the league. I mean, just their general drafting top to bottom. We've talked about it many times, how we love most of their players. Um, I mean, they're just really overperforming. And, you know, out of Zion, RJ, and Ja, Ja has, you know, done the most with his career so far. So, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what happens with his Zion situation. We might talk about it a little more. But, you know, it's still Ja still uh, is the only main, main one with the most accolades so far. So, so far, the Grizzlies picked right, which, you know, they didn't have a choice. I mean, I'm pretty sure they'd take Zion if they were number one. But that's besides the point. Play Kenny um, Lofton. Get it off. All right. So just so you guys at home can play, we have 10 teams without a Larry O'Brien. And there are 10 good teams. I'm actually, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's really a bad team in this. No, there isn't a bad team in this list besides maybe one. We have the Clippers, the Grizzlies, the Hornets. You know, if they, you know, if you pick up Scoot, who knows? Jazz, Magic. Nets, who you know, you could argue is the worst team in the list, which I mean, they still were in the playoffs. He was that because of Katie and James Harden, you know, that's besides the point. Uh, Pacers, Pelicans, Suns, and Timberwolves. And you know, Rem, this list is just like so good with interesting teams, teams that are you know, overperform a lot of times. I think on this list, you know, there there's a lot of young talent here. Um, I don't, you know, not really any horrible teams, you know, like Rockets or, you know, Wizards, and, you know, some, some guys who have just been perpetually bad. Um, I would throw, say the Kings, but you know, this season was great. So I'm gonna let you pick first Rem, just cause this is a genius segment. I love this segment. I love the idea. And, you know, I want you to have the first fruits of your labor and totally not because I can't pick one. So we're drafting which franchise we think will break their title streak next. Cause this was the first title for the Denver nuggets. They've been around for what? 56 years total, but some of those years yeah, in the ABA, a- whatever. in the ABA, but you know, it's, it's been long enough. It's been long enough coming And it, if you actually look at it, we've checked quite a few franchises off the list this past century, the Spurs in 99 got their first title, the Mavs in 2011, the Cavs oh, in 16, out. the Raptors in 19, and now the Nuggets in 23. So a handful of teams the past century and, you know, even more the past decade that have Wait, broken what? their title streak. So an even 10 remain a perfect amount left you and me to draft here. So let's see which of these teams are going to break their title curse next. Yeah, who's going to do it next? I know we just we just gassed up the Grizzlies. <laughs> but they are in the West. And the West that is, is going to be harder. Jokic is there. Mm-hmm. Wembenyana is going to be there. 
there are only like two teams in the East out of this list? Three? Yeah, three. Give me the magic. Oh, no, four, four. Four. Oh, oh, oh. Give me Palo. Give me okay. Franz. Okay. Give me okay. Suggs. Okay. The six okay. and 11. In the East, right. I just, of the cores of the young guys that are here, again, they're in the Eastern Conference. I'm all in on Palo as a franchise guy. I think he can be a guy. I think he could be potentially a number one on a championship team. Frauds could definitely be the number two. Haven't sold our Sug stock yeah. yet. They have the six and 11 pick in the draft. So just as a base package, as like a starting point, of all of the franchises left, I kind of like just where the Magic are going and what direction they're trending in. And again, being in the Eastern Conference, going through Giannis is not going to be easy. Tatum is still there. Butler now has to be taken seriously as a top guy, Embiid. But the East is just going to be, I think, a little bit easier than the West. And Palo as a franchise guy, I'm all in on. So I'm going to take the Magic off the board at number one. All right. Yeah, no, that's definitely the, the team with the most interesting, I think, unproven amount of talent on their team. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're, they're obviously not going to do it next year. Like yeah. we're not drafting which of these teams could win the title next year, but who's going to break the curse next? next? Like who is in the actual best position to do it? Okay. Okay. I don't know. Palo Franz. I kind of like what they got going. Palo Franz. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, I think the first take, you know, ESPN pick would probably be the Suns first, you know, mm -hmm. KD and all them. But I, I don't like the rest of their roster unless they do something crazy here. Man, why Paul George can never play? If this was in 2K, I'd say the Clippers. You have to take Because they are the most talented team. Do I get frisky here? I don't know. I... You know, you know what? If 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 he's playing the next year, I I gotta go with the Pels, man. I there's a reason mm. I picked them for my team of the season. When fully healthy, they were the number one team in the West, uh, top of the standings. And Zion, we know, can be right up there with the big boys. Um, you know, not just because of his size, but because of his play. You know, crazy stats. And um, that team, like we've mentioned many times, is very deep and. You know, it's similar to, um, you know, like kind of like the Grizzlies, you know, because of his injuries, the players around him have gotten a lot better because they just haven't had their star around them. So they've helped their development. Mm -hmm. And um, it's Zion. It's Zion Williamson. I I'm going with the Pels, you know. We, we got a little, maybe a little trade talk with Zion. But if he's still with that team, I got I to gotta give it to him. And you get all the assets as well. Brandon Ingram's there. Yeah. Dyson Daniels is there. Trey Murphy's there. I mean, we'll we'll do Pelicans later. Like they're gonna come up in the trade talks, but I'm all all in on Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy's gonna be amazing. Herb Jones, Dyson Herb. Daniels. I think I already said they have all the future mm -hmm. picks, so they will. They have the ability to still make moves, and they already have young talent. And like you said, they have a stud if he can stay healthy. So you, the the pieces are there. I get it. If you're gonna pick again, like the most pieces to work with the Pelicans are a strong choice. I got to take, we can't get too silly here. I got to take Phoenix <laughs> off the board next Katie and Booker. Oh, the Suns. Okay. The star power of those two guys. You said the Clippers are the best team. I don't know. Katie and Booker versus 
Kawhi and Paul George is a tough one-two matchup. Matchup. I think just pedigree, like individual ranking wise, you know, Booker and Durant would both be higher on the rankings just because Paul George would be that's true the fourth player out of those four. So give me Booker and KD, and I'll do the best to figure out the rest. But those guys, I you know, the talent of those guys. They if they stay together, they're gonna be in the mix. So they gotta be off the board. I'm surprised you had them over the Grizzlies. I'm not gonna lie. Um also the Clippers too, but if you look here, I'm pulling it up. Let me see if I can pull it up. Okay, so if Chris Paul gets waived, which he most likely mm-hmm. will, the Suns have Durant, Booker, and Aiton. Shamit campaign and went right on a club option. And that's about it. You look at just just the team itself, it gets real scary for this team really fast once you get past those top two guys, which you know we clearly saw on display for that nugget series. You know, it's just no the future isn't there. That's my point. Uh Katie is uh, still a great player. Booker's really popped off, you know. And who knows? Maybe he can, you know, really take another step and become an all-time player. You know, I'm not holding my breath. But, you know, I think he he's right up there with, you know, with the top players in the league. But in terms of him as you know, one of the greats, who knows? But uh, when you look at the team, you know, who they were having out there, you know, Londale played 31 minutes in their last game. Can't play Kane played 42 minutes in an elimination game for this team. Like, it's it's tough to take this team seriously, and that's, you know, the Clippers, you know their depth, and it's just Kawhi and Paul George never play because, you know, low management and injuries and stuff. So that's why I'm taking the Grizzlies at four. Um, you know, I just, if, like we mentioned, John Morant comes back healthy, Desmond Bain still, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. off his defensive player of the year. Stop and all their other young players who are continuing to grow. They have Luke Kennard, who I think was the best three point shooter in the playoffs. So, yeah, in the well rounded during the regular season too, maybe. Yeah, maybe that was it during the league. There was he was he was he was one of the best shooters in the league by a lot. And um, this team's only going to get better because they got that depth. They got those young players, Zaire Williams. Um, they still have Kochar Conchar. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah they have some interesting they got some pieces that they you know that they could definitely they could trade they got options the suns don't have options they just have KD and booker and prayers so that's about it luke Kennard, 49.4 percent exactly three point line this year exactly that man was wet al horford was number two at 44 damian lee oh, three out. at 44 malcolm Brogdon five points ahead of Okay, but attempts though for Damian Lee, how many attempts? Uh, per game, they're three per game, but uh, definitely exactly. <laughs> less playing time than ever than everybody else. But uh, I the the Katie Booker pick is definitely not a pick that has like a seven year window. You would yeah. assume that you get that with the Magic, with the Pelicans, with the mm-hmm. Grizzlies, but in terms of like immediate success like the the katie booker combo is going to keep you in the mix it's going to keep you contending i mean they they did take two games off the nuggets they're the only team to do that i mean that's true the, let's let's do a quick experiment so. so that Suns team you know they get like decent role players around them are you taking them over the buck 
So who do, who do they need? Who do they need to have like, though? That's that's the thing. Like a creative player, like what, what even Chenzo. Like, they're not gonna have Chris Paul there. Yeah, DiVincenzo, they get Javon Carter, you know, Austin right. Rivers plays, you know, some role players, you know, Trey Jones kind of level. Like, I don't think they're better than the Bucks. I don't think they're better than the Celtics, you know. Who knows? 76ers take another level. Nuggets are definitely better than them, you know. So that's at least three-plus teams now. You know, the Miami Heat just showed you can throw that all in the window when the out the window when the playoffs show up. So who knows? But – you know, when you have a significant number of players who are clearly better than you, KD's had all these injury issues, and that's if he even wants to stick around. I mean, he just he was literally at a team that he put together. Like that was him playing, you know, a little bit of GM being the GM pretty much of the team. And even then he didn't stick around. I mean, I think the Suns, yes, there's talent with Booker and Durant always. There's always gonna be as long as you have those two players healthy, but Katie isn't in bed to be healthy, and this could really turn quickly into the Suns of old if Katie's out for what 20, 30 games, and now Booker's all by himself. No Chris Paul, you know, who knows what happens with Aiden? I'm surprised he's still on the team. You know, mm. it, it could be a scary show, and you know, Booker's obviously better, but we've already seen that show. And I think Chris Paul's going to come back for a smaller number, so there is a good chance. That yeah. he's on the roster next year, but hey, maybe the Suns just need Caleb Martin. They just need to get Caleb Martin, and that would end up solving all of their problems. But I, I mean, I'm taking the Suns fully expecting them, fully expecting Kevin Durant to request a trade in like 2025. There's a good chance that this is his last playoff run with the team because that would be two playoff yeah, runs. Probably. If he goes three, I mean, we haven't seen him do any longer than that the last you know decade Durant or so. Was with so. The OKC. Oh yeah. Not a history of sticking around. So I, I expect mm-hmm. Durant could probably end up probably not going to finish his contract on Phoenix, but I love Booker too much, so they have to go next. The Grizzlies are gone. That's a real bummer. So the board drops off at yeah. this point. And I think you have to go best player available. LA. And... I think the best player available is Anthony Edwards. And I don't think the Timberwolves are going to win a title. They're definitely not going to do it with, (laughs) they're definitely not going to do it with Towns and Gobert. But I have to pick Anthony Edwards and he's on the Timberwolves. So I guess it's the Timberwolves are my next, my next pick. Over the Clippers? The Clippers aren't winning the title. <laughs> Neither are the Timberwolves. Bro, you're telling me Kawhi Leonard. We saw when he's when he's LA, he was taking down the sun, man. You know, Timberwolves can barely get a game. Wow, I'm I'm actually I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised. You know, you just defended KD and Booker here. You're defending established guys, and now you're flipping the table all of a sudden. I just Kawhi is not gonna be healthy for a full season at this point, especially oh, sure. after watching this season where I he was playing more minutes down the stretch than he's played in any season. I think post-All-Star, his minutes played have yeah. to be higher than, you know, most of the last handful of years. Like you said, was really going after it in the playoffs, and the fact mm-hmm. that that led to the injury, the fact that it's like, hey, if he's going to put this kind of load and strain on his body, like, 
it kind of makes sense why he's been doing the load management. And what does that look like going forward? Is it only going to decrease? So the Clippers, I know with this core, it's not going to work out. And this core, are they even going to be, is this their last season together? Like that's a real possibility as well for the Clippers. If they feel like they need to start selling these guys off for parts. So again, it's purely an Anthony Edwards pick, but Hey, I mean, the playoff run, the play in run was special. Carl Towns has brainwashed me. That's crazy. Yeah, you listening to Pat Bev's podcast going crazy. Also, shout out to Perk. Let's, maybe he's on the redemption tour um, with the with the quote of, you know, pretty much downing Cat. You know, you know, I got to get my props. I, I'd be hating on Perk a lot, but, you know, he's, he's on probation right now. We're keeping an eye on it. Um, but, yeah, no, that is crazy. I full-heartedly disagree. I think, I think Kawhi is the best player left on this draft. Uh, but I do give it to you that, you know, he is injured enough. He is injured a lot. I'll go to, you know, so when he, he has, he doesn't play enough and availability is the best ability. So, you know, there is that and Edwards could continue to develop, but you know, the only player to get, you know, finals MVP, I think, right. On three different teams, right. Is that three? Am I special? Two, Two different teams. First Raptors. Feels wrong. I, I don't think that's true. Because LeBron got finals MVP on two teams, did he? Wait, did he ever? Yeah, he got it with the Heat. And the Lakers. Yeah, I wonder why people say And the that. Cavs. Or maybe that was... Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm spazzing right now. There was, there was something with Kawhi getting the finals MVP on, like, multiple teams, but something like that. I think it was, like, two... Yeah, I don't know. Where well, we're just Kawhi's done out. it. LeBron's done it. Kareem's done it. He did it on the Bucks. Did it on yeah. the Lakers. Exactly. Yeah, that's why I, I don't know where I heard that. But anyway, Probably just those three. Um, Will. But anyway, cutting out a guy who is still, I think he still has the talent to take down a team on his own. He just got to stay healthy, um, which is something he hasn't done the last couple of years. So there is that. But you know, I the team around him is just. Until they get, until they figure out this cat Rudy Gobert situation, like we've already seen, Rudy Gobert, that trade is probably a top three worst trade this last decade, um, and I don't think it's close. And Cat, we've just heard his mindset going into this season. I mean, he considers himself changing the game. Um, consider, I mean, he's always thought himself. You know, he said, I think a couple years back, he's the best shooting big in the league. You know, just. Just the mindset that he's already made it, you know, winning a play on playing game. I, that's just not a championship mindset, you know. So just, just the team's a mess. I mean, Pat Bev's not helping anything, and that's why I, I, you know, even if Kawhi isn't playing, they just have Paul George. Even without Paul George, I'd take the Clippers bench players over the Timberwolves. And you know, shout out to Anthony Edwards. He he, you know, he's gonna be. That he's going to be a better player in the next two, three years than anyone on either of these teams. But, you know, for winning the title next, you know, I, I got to go with the Clippers, even if I did have the Timberwolves on the board, but I don't. So I'm still going with the Clippers at number six. And uh, yeah, I think, I think you're, I think, I mean, I understand. I understand your thought process with it. I just disagree. Yeah. I'm out on the Clippers. They're both equally disastrous situations. But again, yeah, it's no, they're horrible. The window with Anthony Edwards is open longer. So once he requests the trade, 
and once out and leaves, then I'm screwed. The pick means nothing. But until then, as long as Anthony Edwards is on the team, they have to be the next pick. But Kawhi and PG, the strength of that duo, I, I get, I, you know, I, you're they're not bringing Ty Lue back, so who knows? He's gone. Yeah, they said he's unlikely to extend him. So, oh, so Jerry he's... West is like, what the One heck year. is going on with these injuries? That's funny. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this off season. Oh, you're right. Yeah, even Jerry West is like, bro, I've never seen this many injuries in my life. So hey, Jerry West is out on this team too. So hey, maybe the logo. You know, if the logo is out, I'm out. That confirms it. So the Timberwolves will win the title before the Clippers. Jerry West said it. That's a quote from Jerry West. He said the Timberwolves will beat the Clippers in the finals, even though they're both in the Western. Clippers are a haunted franchise. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The Clippers curse. Who's gonna lift the Clippers curse? Nobody's gonna do that. We're down to some lottery teams some mm-hmm. teams that are perennially picking high in the draft but i kind of of the options that are left what do we got three teams left i i yeah. i do like i do like halliburton the pacers have wow. halliburton they have matherin miles turner has had a resurgence since halliburton's gotten wow. there they also have the seventh pick in the draft so give me the wow. pacers in the east the young team, maybe Halliburton just becomes a first team all NBA guy. Like he could already be an all NBA guy, but maybe he is just, you know, the next version of Jason Kidd taking the Pacers to the finals like he did those Nets teams. So I think with these franchises that are in the rebuilding phase, I think the Pacers are going to be one of them to try to get out of it quickly. So give me Halliburton and give me the Pacers. So we got the Hornets, the Jazz, and the Nets, right? I think. Oh, yeah, think the Nets were there too. Yeah, the Nets were there. They were there. Um, shout out my boy Michael. Um, it's fine. I still I like Halliburton. I think at this point you got to go with the most upside, and Halliburton is an All NBA player, but he's not a great superstar. I don't know if Halliburton's a superstar. Maybe he will be, mm. but I, at this point, I don't see it. And I got to go with the team that may have the backcourt of the future coming up in this draft. Mm. Yes, I said it. I'm going with the Hornets. I'm all in on LaMelo. Been with him since the draft. And I really think I, – I do think this Hornets team it, – it, there is a chance they could be some real scary hours with both of them playing. Scoots, aggressiveness, just dumb drive – just dumb – they're driving to the basket, both of them. Um, I mean, LaMelo's size, he's a big guard, and that can help make up for some of mm-hmm. uh, Scoot's, uh, you know, size. And also, you know, Scoot and his drive, just his, um, you know, him attacking the basket, and we'll get into more of the draft. But just um, how he plays. If the Hornets, they're just throwing smoke screens right now and actually go and pick up Scoot, great backcourt, you know, they'll figure out the rest. That's my number one rule. Get the good players and figure out the rest. Then um, they're they're gonna win a next a ring in the next five years. Book it now, I'm player. But they'll be they'll win they'll be the next one out of this group to win a ring. And you know, Scoot is what like six two. People are gonna say that's small, but Scoot's not a small guy. He's strong. No. He's built. He's athletic. So you you're not gonna want four Scoot Hendersons out there. But if you're gonna have a six two guy on the court, like you're gonna want him built like Scoot, and you're gonna want him to be as athletic and do the skiing things could do. So you put him next to 
Lamelo. You get Miles Bridges back on the wing. Mark Williams as a big. Mark Williams really flashed as just a rim running, shot blocking big near the end of the season. So, and he wasn't even doing it with Lamelo. So you actually pair him with the point guard and with another point guard with Scoot. Get some wings out there. I the Hornets do have a future. And now, no MJ. MJ's gone. The sales finalized. Plotnik's exactly. taking over the team. So maybe this new ownership breathes some new life into this organization. So, you know, the Nets with Mikel Bridges, that's my next pick. I think I'm going to go Bridges. Bridges and Johnson and what they have right now, that team could be better next year than the Hornets. But I could see the Hornets just upside, especially if they take Scoot being higher than the Nets team. But Bridges is definitely a piece and definitely a guy that could find himself on a title team at some point in his career. Whether or not that's in Brooklyn, who knows? But he's in Brooklyn right now, so give me Brooklyn. They've got a bunch of other wings there. Cam Johnson, obviously. Cam Thomas, Nick Claxton. I'm I'm still in on Cam Thomas if they ever give him minutes. So I'll go Brooklyn next. All right. Yeah, I think that means here's last on the You get the Jazz. Jazz. They were overperforming this last year. Um, and Jazz is the last pick in this draft. I mean, that's still, I mean, they're still a solid team. Shout out Markinen. Um, and we'll have to see. Also, shout out Phil Hardy, you know, for turning those boys into a serious team. And um, yeah, you know, I, I obviously I mean I think I think we both agree, you know. They're probably they are. I think both of us have them last on our boards. I mean, maybe, maybe we'd put um, the Nets a little lower. Um, just but they had some players who <laughs> score had some crazy points. Um, the, the Cam Sanity and uh, Mikael Bridges, but uh, it's uh, yeah, Jazz solid team and uh, lots to see what they have in the future. I don't know. A tough <laughs> beat for the Utah Jazz, who went um, into the off season. Sold, remember, they sold off their parts. Gobert, they traded him away, traded oh, yeah. Mitchell. They hit the mm-hmm. reset button. So what are, we're saying, the Jazz with the bleak future, but you know they didn't commit to tanking or winning, and they got in that awkward spot, and now they have the ninth pick in the draft. So they, they have all the future picks. Like you said, they have marketing. They'll have whoever the ninth pick ends up being or whatever they end up doing with yeah, that asset. Like but. Tough beat for Ainge to slide in the upside draft because that's this team is supposed to be in the rebuilding phase. So tough, tough luck for the Jazz fans. Yeah, and this is exactly why teams tank. Uh, I mean, they have Colin Sexton, Clarkson, Markinen, Olenek, and Walker Kessler. I guess that is their starting five. I had to remind myself about the team because, you know, no one watches games in mountain time. So anyway, um, let's see. You're moving on to the actual draft. Coming up in a couple weeks here. And uh, I guess some of the big rumblings, like we mentioned, I think the biggest rumbling right now is that Brandon Miller is pretty locked in at number two, which is kind of a surprise, I guess, for me. I, I you know, maybe I probably put too much stock in the NCAA tournament, and we've already talked about this multiple times. But um, it seems like it's almost completely sliding towards Miller at two. Um, who would I don't know if I've asked you, Rem, who would you take at number two um, as a Hornet? No, we did the whole Scoot Henderson thing. We're both all in on Scoot Henderson. The oh. odds are actually starting to shift, though. Yesterday, 
Scoot was, I think, like a plus. Let me see. Yeah, he was plus odds yesterday to win because I got, I jumped on him at number two at plus odds. But today they moved. Scoot's now minus one twenty five. He's actually favored to be the number two overall pick. Brandon Miller second behind him at minus one oh five. So it's really close. They're neck and neck. But I wonder if that's trade rumors. I wonder if that's yeah, just exactly. them thinking that a team's going to trade up for Scoot and they're projecting him in that spot. But that's we're both in. That's what they need to do. So I still believe that on draft night, if Charlotte is sitting there at number two, they're going to pick Scoot Henderson. So Scoot Henderson is the, just the better player. You and me both agree. A lot of smart basketball people that watch. You know, Scoot is, I think, clearly the second best prospect in the draft. And I don't yeah. know how Charlotte passes on him, especially, like I said, with the position that their franchise is in. Because Brandon Miller is definitely an additive player. But... When I watch Miller, like the shot making is great. The defense, all that stuff. Like he's, again, he's going to compliment. Yeah. He's going to bring everything that you want from a wing to the court. But there is just like a slight, like lack of fluidity with his movement and with his ball handling. And just, he yeah. just doesn't have like that A plus burst where. He's always talking about stealing moves from guys like Paul George and emulating his game. But Paul George is like an A plus, A plus tier athlete. Like yeah. even post leg injury, even he's not necessarily the high flyer that he was, but athletically, he's still one of the best athletes in the league. And there's just an overall like smoothness to his game. Like there's just, there's, he, he just flows in a way that Miller doesn't, where, I look at Miller's upside more like what Michael Porter Jr. brings to the Nuggets where he could be that third guy as a movement shooter. He's going to come off screens, come off handoffs, spot up, hit shots. Miller's a better defender right now, I think, than Porter. Porter has the upside, but the mental lapse is just not always being locked in. Like Miller can be more locked in on defense, I think more productive on that end of the court, but offensively, I just, I don't know if he ever reaches those like Paul George level of offense and Porter has mm -hmm. like shown upside, but I think this version of him is more similar to what we get from Brandon Miller. So once you get to the Blazers at three, a team that's trying to be a good team, he's, he would greatly help a team like that. Positionally is what he needs, just fits in would compliment and not overshadow anybody. And offensively, the numbers, like, he produces points. He's going to score. He's going to put up points the way he does it. But Scoot, he, he, he's going to be a number one option on a team. He's going to be an elite guy. And I, I don't know if Brandon Miller has, like, that number one guy potential where he could be a great two, great three. But if you're going to pass on a guy who could be a number one, but also, as we laid out, like, has the skills to fit in, I don't know how you do that. So... Brandon Miller, I, you know, at three, I, I would feel comfortable there, but the shot making from Scoot, that list him, all that stuff. Like, I just think he's separated himself just enough. Like I haven't seen enough from Brandon Miller, the shot making aspect to put him above Scoot Henderson. Yeah, no, I think that's where most people have Brandon Miller. At least that's what I have um, yeah. is that him as a second option. Uh, when you look at his game, you know, he is 21 years old and, 
you know, while that may be young for normal age, you know, for NBA, that's ancient, you know, that's pretty old. And when you look at um, not as super explosive, you know, not great really around the rim. Uh, even when you really ask him to run an offense, he has issues with it. Smaller defenders can really give him trouble. He has some problems with his dribbling. So, you know, there are definitely some worrying signs in terms of him as a shot creator. I mean, when I was pretty much watching film on him, it was just mostly him hitting open threes. Now, he did more than that, obviously. He wouldn't be in the top three of an NBA draft if he could be that poor. But he, he definitely it's, – it's, it's too – we know is a playmaker. He can he can change a game. He can flip it on his head. And and uh, while Brandon Miller is more of a sure bet, you know you know what you're getting mm-hmm. for a team like the Hornets. You kind of got to go swing for the fences, um, especially if Lamelo continues to have these questionable injuries. You know you need someone who you know can carry the team, uh, ball handler, and you know with Miles Bridges also gone, you know that's another, um, number, you know someone who has a body of a number one option gone. Um, and who knows, who knows when he's coming back. So it's definitely, I, I would still, like we've mentioned before, still have Stu Henderson above him. Um, who's the one guy you like? Because I've, I've finally done my research. I found the one guy who I'm all in on. I'm buying all the stock because we have the, we have the top two, three guys. And then after that, it's quite a cluster mess of it. All these mock drafts got them in all different orders for the next uh, 10-ish guys. So I, I know you're all in on one dude. So Rem, give us your uh, great case for the fourth best player in the draft. So if we were dividing this draft up into tiers, like when Benyetta is in a tier by himself, clearly number yeah. one, all alone, I would have Scoot in a tier by himself as number two. Again, it's just, mm, he's okay. the clear number no, two. He's of, of the guys remaining. He could be the best number one, but again, he could also fit in. Tier three, Miller's obviously in tier three, but on that same tier, I would have Taylor Hendricks on the same tier mm. as Brandon Miller. I just think if we're drafting Brandon Miller as a guy who's going to be a two or a three in the league and just be a complimentary guy, like that's exactly what Taylor Hendricks is going to be. And he doesn't really have any weaknesses like he's going to come out he's going to play defense he's going to shoot he's going to move the ball he plays the game almost exactly like Al Horford like you watch him and he approaches the game very similarly like Al Horford's bigger stronger but Hendricks still like does all the same things and just plays the same exact sort of unselfish way that Horford does and if you remember like Horford in Atlanta was an all NBA level guy, all-star guy, like clearly could never be the number one on a title team. Like was never going to do that, but was playing sort of above his level as an all-star when he needed to like that Hawks team won 60 games. Like that's no small accomplishment. He was the best player on a team that won 60 games, but you put him on this Celtics team and he's the perfect complement to your stars Can anchor your defense. He's going to make Tatum and he's going to make Brown better. Like, Taylor Hendricks is just, he's going to be a good player. And even though he's like a smaller guy than Horford, he is the same size. So he's going to have positional versatility. He's going to be able to, you know, he'll probably play the four mostly, but play him at the three. He's versatile. Play him at the small ball five. If you need to, he's good enough defensively to do it. I'm all in. I'm buying all of the Taylor Hendricks stock. 
I know he's going to be really good. And if we're in the point of the draft where we're drafting second and third options, like he's going to be an elite, elite, complimentary guy. He's not going to take away from your star players. And as we go through the draft and look at these teams, like a lot of these teams already have, they have really, really good players and a lot of players who are just going to need the ball guys. Like, you know, the Rockets have Jalen Green, who's maybe, you know, on the lower end of that list, but the Pistons have Cade, the Magic have Palo, the Pacers have Matherin. Like, Hendricks, Hendricks is going to be able to step into any of those situations, like Rockets included, and compliment and be additive and play defense and shoot. And just, he's going to elevate the team and make everybody around him better. He's going to be a good pro. So I'm all in on Taylor Hendricks. Like, I, I don't know. I, is he secretly my, my third favorite guy in the draft? Probably, but the Brandon oh, Miller stuff. Oh, top three. Well, I get it. But it. just personal, like, am I in love with this guy's game? I know he's going to be good. I'm all in. Like, yeah, I'm I'm all in on Wembenyana, obviously. All in on Henderson. Obviously. All in on Taylor Hendricks. Yeah, I mean, I, from what I've seen with Taylor Hendricks, like, very great. One of the best defenders in this draft. Um, very switchable guy can defend, you know, four positions and, you know, even push for that, um, you know, even the one. And, you know, when you look at his play, um, him as also a secondary, you know, rim protector, blocking shots, you know, not some off ball stuff. And, you know, really it's all a defender, you know, kind of reminding not only of Oliver, but also I think there's mention of Jaden McDaniels. PJ Washington, kind of a little bit undersized um, uh, centers who have some interesting outside shooting. Uh, I think he was 39, yeah, 39.6 percent from three last year. So I mean, he didn't he didn't shoot great from the free throw line, and I think the main reason why most people and I have him a little further down is just his offense with shot creation. Um, you know, having some issues <clears throat> getting his own shot. You know, him working on mismatch, um, you know, him be kind of being undersized, you know, does hurt. I think he's 190 pounds, which, you know, against grown men isn't great. So, I, I you know, with him, it's it's he's he has elite skills. But, you know, in terms of the impact on the game, you know, it's just the, the league is leaning offense side. And, um, you know, if you're looking for somewhere to have the highest potential, you know, Obviously, you need players like Draymond Green. You need players like, you know, Aaron Gordon. You need defensive specialists to win a ring. But to really compete with the top guys, if you need a building block, you got to go with the person who has the highest ceiling on offense. And, um, yeah, I think that's probably why he falls a bit compared to some other players who may not be better than him or don't really have a skill that's better than him, like, you know, Anthony Black or even the Thompson brothers, you know, one of them, you know, is really athletic and stuff like that. But, you know, they, it's just their, their, the potential on offense is why they're going to be above them. Um, the player that I got as the fourth best player in the draft, you know, maybe mm-hmm. third, who knows. You have him fourth? I'm all, I'm, I'm all in on maybe over, I think he has the potential to definitely be better than Brandon Miller. You know, who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if he got picked above Brandon. If Scoo goes too, I wouldn't be surprised. Cam Whitmore out of Villanova, one and done kind of guy, 6'6, big guard, 
And one of the youngest players in the draft, 18 years old, he did, he was injured a little bit early in the season. So, you know, it took a little bit for him to come play, but um, just a great, great at getting on the line. I think he, yeah, he had 13 field goal attempts, you know, uh, per assist the season. So really just someone who drives to the basket a lot, but someone who, you know, would able to create his own shot, you know, solid defender, consistent scorer, and, you know, it seemed, even though he didn't, I don't think he, he didn't play too many minutes. I don't know if he came off, didn't he come off the bench? Uh, I mean, you know, no, he started. On that. He started, but um, he scored 26.4 points per possession um, in Big East play, you know, shot 55% from twos and, you know, decent th- three-point shooter, not great. And still, you know, a good defender, um, no, you know, has, he had one of the highest steal rates out of any prospect, um, you know, can't really get mowed over, you know, solid guy. And, um, I'm all on him, you know, just like most NBA teams, just the age, it's gotta, it's gotta account for something, you know, when you have players like Booker who've been in the league, you know, for so long and they're only like 22, 21, 22. And you're like, oh, they've been in the league for a while. Yeah. He's 230 pounds, six, six. As a 40-inch vertical jump. And, um, you know, there is some worries about his playmaking, you know, him not passing as much. But I think with him in the league, I think if playmaking is your biggest issue, I think that's something that could definitely be worked on. And, you know, if you're on a team with better teammates, you might actually trust them. There's better spacing in the league. You know, reads are easier than ever to make for the league with just the spacing and how much it's favored towards offense. So all that combined with him having plenty of time to build that playmaking. I think he he's the he's kind of the prototype you want for a number one guy. And I think he could be the player that we're all looking back on. Like, you know, obviously Juan Banyama is going to, you know, probably, you know, still be the main guy that's draft. But after that, like, why the heck didn't we talk about this guy right up there? And I think... I think where we go wrong with prospects sometimes with especially in the top of the draft when we're trying to just take like the elite elite guys is guys that can be successful with the ball versus guys that be can be successful without the ball. And if you're, you know, like lacking major skills like shooting or defense, but then you also need the ball a lot to be effective it's just harder to gonna be it's just gonna be harder to be successful in the league versus a guy that can step in and compliment your stars and not take away from anybody, but also has the potential where, hey, as this guy game as this guy's game grows and develops, he's gonna add pieces. He's going to grow as a shot maker. That's why I have Hendricks four. I think he showed some stuff where, you know, he's going to hit the corner three, but I think face-ups and stuff, like, he's just going to grow offensively, and again, maybe not the number one option, but I have Cam Whitmore right behind him at number five, because I think he does have the skills to be, like, a number two option. I don't necessarily agree with the idea that he's doesn't pass. Like, he, you know, it is what it is. He's a star player at Villanova. He's going to get his shots up, but he makes quick reads like the ball really like when he's passing and stuff, the ball doesn't stick with him. He can play in like a ball movement oriented system. I mean, that's usually what Villanova's 
doing over there. Strong driver, like gets right to the basket. He's going to be a plus defender. So could definitely be like a secondary score and, you know, three and D type guy. But like you said, has the potential to maybe be like an all-star. So with, with the shot making, I think the shooting is only going to get better. The form looks good. Like it's going to improve as time goes on. So plus defender, I think he's going to be a better shooter has the complimentary skills. It's nitpicky stuff between him and Hendricks, but I agree with you. I'm high on him as well. I have him top five. And Villanova, you know, quietly has a solid class of players, you know, for a biggie school, you know, for players in the league who have come out of there in the NBA, you know, Sadiq Bay, you know, he's seen some of his potential. Mikhail Bridges, Jalen Brunson, Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Hart, and Kyle Lowry. I forgot that they came from Villanova, but they're from there too. So, you know, Villanova's had a pretty good track record for cranking out NBA players. And I think, you know, I, I, I mean, you know, with, with Cam Whitmore, I think he has the potential to have that superstar play, you know, just because of his age, because of what he's doing already, how comfortable he is with, creating his own shot with scoring and um maybe depending on where he's going i mean you know with the rockets he's going to be he's going to be competing for the ball you know hopefully not the rockets but we'll see where he goes hopefully he goes with a team that you know passes and stuff but uh we'll, we'll have to see but yeah i have him as my fourth best guy i'm very interested in him you know the thompson twins you know there's some intriguing um stuff you know value there but um, you know, I've definitely heard a lot of high four Hendricks. I don't know if I quite buy it. You know, I definitely would put him a little four further in the top 10, but, um, we'll have to see. I mean, it's right now it's there. Maybe, you know, all this board could change because, you know, the trailblazers are right now looking to trade their pick. Um, we have some people trying to get into the top three. So, you know, all these boards could change besides obviously the number one pick. If, you know, maybe a, another team wants to swing in and take their, take, take the guy that they're all in and on. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to see these moving pieces, these next couple days in this off season, seeing what star and what team is going to make a big move. Cause no one's made any done anything yet. Right now. Cam Whitmore is favored to go fifth overall to the Pistons. He's plus one fifteen. Sar Thompson is second plus three forty. So if you put him next to Cade and put him next to Ivy again, he's not going to need the ball, but he's going to be able to score off of those guys. He's going to be able to play defense. Cade is a big point guard. Ivy is a guy with size and athleticism. I mean, Whitmore is one of four guys in the combine with a 40 inch vertical, like you said earlier. So if he ends up in Detroit at five, I like that fit there. I think that those three guys is that's just a lot of offense, a lot of scoring, a lot of explosiveness. There's a lot of shooting up size size. Like that is a good core for Monty Williams to work with if they go Cam Whitmore. And I think the fit with Ivy and Cade as well, Cade being an unselfish guy, Whitmore proving he can be unselfish. I think the Pistons would actually be best case scenario for him if he's going to go in top five. Yeah, I mean, you have uh, Bogdanovich, but yeah, you're probably kicking Bagley out of there. Yeah, I mean, that's a... If yeah, Durant... could definitely use the center. Yeah, Jalen Duran. Yeah, he's another yeah, player from last year's draft. So, 
yeah, I mean, it's they could definitely use a forward on this team um, for sure. So hopefully he goes there because, yeah, the Rockets scare me, man. <laughs> that's, that's not a good situation to go to. But um, well, I was gonna so, say the, the oh. so the Rockets at four. The guy that is favored right now to go at four. The guys we haven't discussed. Do we need to? Do we need? Do we need to give the Thompson twins a minute? Because Maybe. I mean, they are like. The, I they are like the most unpredictable piece of this draft, I think, mm-hmm. because the athleticism is off the charts. Like they're clearly supreme athletes, but I don't know. Like, how do we value this overtime elite thing? Like, it's it's mind boggling to me that they went there. I don't understand it, but you know, hey, like as the alternate sources and the alternate routes, like as they come out and there's more ways for these kids to go pro. Like, kids are gonna try stuff. Not everything's gonna be great. I get that, but it doesn't make sense why they went there. The competition is terrible. There's really no semblance of a shot blocker at all in that league that's going to challenge those guys. Like they can get to the rim whenever they want. Their games are weird. They are clearly, clearly the best players in the league. I, I don't think they're not like not lottery, not top ten picks, but. If they're going to be, you know, four and five, if they're top five guys, like, I don't, I don't know. I think they're just going to take a couple of years longer than everybody thinks to develop. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take a little bit. You know, when you, I mean, it looks like Amen Thompson has started to, you know, be. I think he's starting to be the favorite over his uh, brother to be, the, be taken earlier. But, yeah. yeah, they're both pretty similar prospects, you know, really athletic. I think Eamon is a better shooter, a uh, bit of a better shooter. Um, and I think a shooter is a better athlete between the two if you get to really um, cut a line between the two. But like you mentioned, being an overtime elite, you know, that didn't necessarily help the stock too much. But, you know, the scouts are still watching those games. People are still watching them, and they're still going to be taking it in the lottery. And uh, it'll be there. Yeah, they're very two, two pretty intriguing prospects that i think like most of the public haven't hasn't watched and i think we talked a little bit this with men's basketball you know a lot of these players kind of not as much household names as much as maybe in the past you know a lot of these players if 10 20 years from now would have been in the in the all in the college tournament you know all competing against each other and many of them have gone other paths or overseas so that's why you know it's it's all it's all different experience or they're all coming from different areas now. And with all these different options, uh, four, four options after high school. So that's, I guess, overtime elite is one of them. And we'll have to see if they stay alive. I don't know. I don't, I doubt they will, but who knows? You know, I mean, they're cool. They're trendy on YouTube and all that. So you know, I, don't, I don't know, but. Um, well, a men seems pretty locked in at number four right now. He's minus one thirty five. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see where Asar ends up going. It'll be interesting to see just fit again with just the confidence and the potential with the jumping competition. Like if a man goes four, it'll be interesting to see where Asar ends up landing in the lottery. Can I plant a couple more flags really quickly Oh, on a couple of guys before we get to the draft? How much Maxwell Lewis have you watched? Have you heard of this kid from Pepperdine at all? No, Maxwell Lewis. No, tell me about him. A wing, big wingspan, shooter. Pepperdine was not a good team. 
He was the best player on that team. The shooting numbers were up and down for him last year. He's not a guy that is thought of as like a lottery prospect right now, but he has worked out for a bunch of these teams that are in the back half of the lottery, the jazz, the thunder, the Mavericks, the Raptors. I The jazz also have 16 as well, but he has worked out for these other teams that are in sort of that nine to 14 range. And with the shooting, with the defense, with the switchability, I think he's just got a baseline of skills and he showed like as the number one guy at Pepperdine that he can sort of get a shot for himself. There was some shot creation upside there and guys like that, where they have to be the number one guy and it's sort of playing over their head. You get them on these teams that are already established. Like the thunder already have Shea, the Mavs already have Luca. You get him on a team where he only has to do like one or two things. He's just playing defense. He's just shooting his, the game is just like really simplified for him. I think he really thrives in that role. And then again, you get a guy who was a number one in college. So he is comfortable getting a shot for himself. If he has to it like end of shot clock scenarios, but just as a future prospect, he's going to have that upside and that shot creation ability. It's like, it's not going to go away. The touch and the shooting, it's still going to be there. So as he thrives as a three and D guy, I think that shot making and, shot creation, playmaking up. So all that stuff is going to continue to grow and get better. So I think Maxwell Lewis is like a sneaky lottery pick. Don't be surprised when he goes in the lottery. I'm planning my flag top 10 prospect for me. I'm all in. I don't care. I'm going to overhype him kid from pepper. I'm planning my flag on Maxwell Lewis. Yeah, no, it seems like his two games um, against uh, uh, Gonzaga both were L's, but he had 20 points in both games. I think, like, I think it was like 20 and five is what he put up. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and act like I heard about, about Maxwell Lewis, but uh, looking at you know, looking at some stuff online, he seems like you know, kind of the guy you want if you're taking a chance on someone, a three and D wing, solid shooter. And it looks like you know, he, I think he's he had some really good shooting splits, is what I was seeing yeah 50 40 84 so you know if you're gonna take if you're gonna be in that kind of spot um you know some people calling him the shorter trey murphy um mm. something along those lines not super uh, um athletic not super athletic guy but someone who you know he knows how to score now like you mentioned number one guy on his team they did take a lot of hells um yeah which is probably why he isn't higher but yeah, if you're if you're in that late lottery, you know, early or start getting into those contending teams and you're looking for that guy, that big kind of guy you can play small ball five with, some size on the court that, you know, you can still shoot with. This is probably the player you're looking for. Um, someone who, you know, if you have him coming off the bench, you can take over games, stuff like that. So yeah, no, I totally understand why you're in all all in on him. This is definitely a player that contending teams will be looking for this kind of guy um big guy i mean and someone who can fit right in and you know solid solid defender and uh yeah no i had not heard of maxwell lewis but uh i am campaigning i'm still on the grady dick campaign mm. shout out the homie and um you know i'm watching him all season he i still think he's gonna be you know a really 
really, really solid piece on some contending team. You know, I, people are having him in their, you know, top 10, 12, you know, lottery pick. But, yeah. you know, 40% from three, 85 from the line, you know, it's not really a sleeper pick here. But off the catch, it was just, you know, it was really fun to watch. I mean, he's just a really good off the catch kind of shooter. And, um, you know, his defense wasn't horrible. It could definitely be better. But, I mean, he's still 6'8". He's still a big guy and uh, 19 years old, you know, freshman. So, if if I – not really a sleeper guy, but, you know, another one of the guys that I've been watching, you know, somewhat off and on all year and, you know, looks like one of those players who may not have had a great college career but looks like an NBA player. He's a good – he's obviously an amazing shooter. The athleticism is is there. I think he's an underrated athlete. He was throwing down lobs at Kansas. Like there would be times when the defender would just fall asleep. I mean, it's Grady Dick, the white guy in the corner. Like, no need yeah. to worry about it. And then all of a sudden, boom, he backdoor throwing down a lob. So he is a sneaky Six, athlete, eight. but I just can't get Corey Kispert out of my mind. That's the problem with uh nah. Corey Kispert. But Corey Kispert was there four years. Wasn't he isn't he Gonzaga's all time scoring leader or something? He might be. Yeah, he he's also uh, also eighth out of the draft, his draft class and points scored the 21 draft. So maybe Corey Kispert's better than I'm giving credit for, but I doubt it. And uh, I think mm-hmm. I think he's going to I think he's going to be really good. But the defensive limitations are he's going to have to answer those questions when he gets in the league, because those are going to be the questions that he comes in with. But the shooting is undeniable. And if these teams, again, these, some of these lottery teams, like the Mavs, the Thunder, like the, some of these teams want to be good. And some of these teams like the Magic, you know, they already have enough good players. Do the Magic just want to play it really safe at number six and they end up taking Grady Dick? Like, I don't know if I would be totally shocked if that happened. I would, I wouldn't pick it to happen, but I don't know yeah. if it would be totally shocked. So I, the shooting is going to, take him a long ways but uh i want to plant another flag on oh still got Kaysen, Kaysen wallace the kentucky guard i don't know if you're familiar with his game i don't no, get to give no. the shack oh man got some real sleepers yeah i'm not familiar with his name you said who Kaysen Kaysen wallace kentucky i mean drew holiday is going to be the ultimate comp for a guy like him you know, sort of an off-ball point guard who is defensive first, but can shoot and play make and do all the secondary creation stuff. You, again, the league is trending bigger, so a guy like him, his stock's not going to be as high because he's only six two. But crazy long wingspan, six nine, I believe, and he's going to be able to switch, going to be able to hold up against two or three positions, and he's going to be an additive guy. Again, I I just think taking guys who don't need the ball and developing them into guys that do, but also developing them into complimentary guys. Those are the types of guys that are successful. And Kaysen Wallace, he's just a guy that has a skill set. He's going to be good in the league. You know what you're getting. So at some point, it's like, we know who the top guys are. We know who are going to be the stars in the draft, but let's draft guys that I don't think necessarily drafting guys that are going to be good second and third options is a bad thing. You need those guys. And you get a guy like Mikel Bridges, who was the third option 
became, you know, maybe he's the second option on a title team, but is showcasing the skills of a number one. And just, you never know what the range of these guys. So case and Wallace, I think he's got the baseline to be a good contributor contributor probably will land. He's not drew holiday, but he's probably going to be better offensively than Davion Mitchell is. So I think a player like that is still really valuable in the league. And if your wings and your bigs need the ball, he doesn't need the ball. He's going to contribute to those guys. It's just, he's the type of point guard that if you have a big or a wing that you're building around, you need a guard like case and Wallace. Yeah. It sounds like people are putting him in the, you know, third tier of guards behind Henderson and then the Thompson twins. And, you know, when looking at, you know, his game looks like he does, you know, maybe a little bit more turnovers than you like. Um, not a super great shooter from outside. Um, I think he said he averaged like three turnovers per game in one of the tournaments in 2021, you know, solid athlete, but not, you know, super explosive, but you know, six, four guard. Uh, the main thing that I noticed from him is that, you know, doesn't shy, shy away from physicality, which is mm-hmm. something we've seen that you need, especially with these last couple of playoffs. Cause in the playoffs, it just gets really tough. Uh, looks like, you know, comfortable dunking, you know, quick first step kind of guy, you know, solid free throw shooter. So, you know, he's like you mentioned, he's a pretty well-rounded guy. Um, very little to nitpick with, uh, you know, solid everywhere, you know, just, uh, I think, you know, just a little bit undersized It's looking at, I mean, looking at evaluations, you know, he's just, there's not really one area where he's really down on, you know, one really huge weakness. And once you're at like late lottery, I mean, that's pretty much all you can ask for. Um, is just a solid guy to bring in someone who, you know, you hopefully he can develop a elite talent, but or a part of his game to be elite. But, you know, if you get a solid bench guy, solid, you know, six man off the bench, you know, late, late lottery, further down, that's that's pretty much uh, as high as you can get or high as you can expect there. I may, do I maybe have a little bit sprinkled on Case and Wallace to go number eight to the Wizards? There are some rumbling. Who knows where wow, the Wow, you're really, you're all in. You're really all in. Who knows what the accounts are doing? I'm just, I'm just trying to listen to the streets and pick up the clues and see yeah. who's working out with who. So I like Case and Wallace. There's, one other guy that I want to plant a flag on, and I feel like Jeez. he's in the type of vein of a guy that you really like, a guy that has pedigree, a guy that has won at the college level. Oh. I don't think Jordan Hawkins gets enough credit for being the lead guard on the team that won the national title. And he did it while he's, you know, he's not really like, a great shot creator at this point in his career. He's a great shooter. I would argue best shooter in the draft. Like he's going to be able to come off screens and handoffs and do all the, you know, things that you want just your shooter to do, but he is a sneaky athlete. He's got some surprising bounce. The quickness is there. I think of his handle improves. Like he has the skill set, the athleticism, the shot, making the touch. He could get a shot from wherever he wants and become like, a legitimate score, but again, he already has that baseline of shooting skills and that athleticism to be a plus defender, where if he's just your role guy and he's a complimentary guy, he's going to be really good at that too. But to lead that UConn team to the national title, a team that was defensive minded and a team that, you know, 
he was the main offensive threat on that team and they ended up taking the whole thing home. So I think he needs to get credit for that. I think he is a great shooter with, you know, potential shot making upside, but I think he's a safe prospect as well. And, you know, bet on the family. I mean, he's got the connections to Angel Reese, the family of winners. You get the men's national champion and the women's national champion in the same year. Like, I'm not going to bet against those guys. I'm the other guy I'm all in on is Jordan Hawkins. You know, great. He had a great tournament, uh, dominated the two games that kind of mattered uh, with Gonzaga yeah. and Arkansas. You know, it is always interesting when there is the national champion and you're like, okay, well, one of these players probably should get drafted. And it looks like it's probably going to be him. Uh, it looks like, you know, he is put a little further down in the draft. Uh, just there are a lot of guards in this draft. But, you know, really efficient shooter, one of the best movement shooters, you know, great free throw shooter like we've seen, which is a lot of what the tournament comes down to. Yeah. Um, you know, 6'5 shooting guard. That's, I mean, that's solid size. People comparing him to Amphrey Simons, which is, Ooh. you know, really pretty, pretty, uh, pretty spicy. That's pretty nice. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going to sit here and act like I watched the national championship. That was, I was, you know, I was too busy riding high off of, the women's one so which you know probably first time it's happened at least personally for me you know completely ignoring the men's for the women's one but you know it's definitely um you know with with the mock drafts i think they have them right now 11th or 12th 12th right now that's um, right to to okc which is interesting i mean i could see him you know guard off the bench for them maybe you know someone to pair up with SGA, who knows? Uh, but it's definitely I mean he's he showed some stuff in the in the championship, but who knows? Maybe that was a hot shooting streak. It's I it's UConn, bro. Like it's it's hard to evaluate player, especially when you go off of their um off of the turn after after this tournament. But you know, he he still went out there, he still won those games, he still played well, and that's gotta count for something, even if you know he is like 21 years old in his you know, one of the older players. And some of the guys you just have to allow yourself to have a gut feeling on. I just have a gut feeling that he's going to add to his game as a shot maker. He's just not going to stay like this version of himself and be the movement shooter. Yeah. He's going to, his handle's going to get better. He's going to get better creating out of the pick and roll, attacking the rim. I think his upside is really endless if, if his handle gets better because he the quickness is there. The athleticism is there. Like he could be a really legit scoring guard, but he's going to there's many levels to his game where he could be an additive player, no matter what version of it. if he's the movement shooter version, if he's sort of the third option, like if he's Anthony Simons, second creator can get a shot yeah. for himself. Like that's a nice version. If there's another version, I just I'm all in. I love the work ethic. Same with Maxwell Lewis. Maxwell Lewis is another guy who notorious Jim rat, the coach that coached him said, he's just one of the most improved players that he's seen, like has just made more strides than most And betting on Jim rats, I think is the way to go. That's the reason I just, despite the overtime elite thing, that's the reason I just can't get off the Thompson twins is, you know, yeah. the shot is weak, but, they have proven that they love being in the gym. They work hard. They 
eat, sleep, and breathe basketball. Like they've literally been all basketball, basketball, basketball. They've grinded their whole life to get to the NBA. And it's just, you can't bet against guys that are in the gym. And when you have the athletic tools like them, you know, it's probably going to work out. So bet on the hardworking guys. Shocker. Shout out. Shocker. But Maxwell Lewis, hard worker, Hawkins, the improvement showed from year one to year two at UConn this year. Same with the Thompson twins. It's just be all in on the guys that are in the gym is our, our theory. That is a very good theory that has very rarely proven wrong. It's, you know, truly crazy, but the guys who work on their game tend to be the stars that work out. So, but yeah, those, those are some very interesting picks. Um, we'll have to do some more deep dives in the future with the draft coming up. I think we have, we should have one more pot before the draft. This, I, this might be it with the Saturday releases. It's next Thursday. Oh. Oh, that was the week after that. Oh, okay. So next time we talk, Wemby will be a spur. Wemby will be a spur. Oh, it is a 22nd. That is true. Okay. I don't know why I was earlier than I thought. So I guess we'll be reacting to the draft next pod. Mm -hmm. Um, I know Rem will already have a Wemby jersey on or something. Who knows? We'll have to to get him. (laughs) I have the old... I have the old Spurs Lonnie Walker jersey, so I don't know if he's going to choose number one, but that's all of the, you know, mock-ups in the jersey edits. He's wearing number one, so maybe there I just go. duct tape the Wemby on the back of the Walker. Who knows? Those are funny when they edit them. You just need to, like, you have the W already. You just <laughs> I'll do it regardless. I'll send it to you when it happens. That's funny. No, those are those are the funniest ones, those edits where they – change up the letters now but definitely i think one of the things though can't forget about that you know maybe we'll get an answer in the draft we might have to wait till the draft for these trades to happen uh the trailblazers right now looking to double down on dame uh dame saying pretty much in you know so many words that they either got to build a contending team or trade him and I think I've already stood with my position. I tend to lean towards blowing it up, especially when you've given it a whole lot of years and in their prime. Um, you know, I kind of tell, you know, when you're on the wrong side of 30 and you're having this, you've just given it so many tries, it's time to try something new. But, but uh, where do you stand, Rem? Do you, do you like Dame going to Miami? Or, you know, I mean, do you think they should give it one more go around? I think for Dame's sake, he should try to stay in Portland as long as possible. The second apron and the new CBA and the complications with team building, like team building is just going to become much more specific. Like guys are not going to be able to just jump from team to team and go wherever they want. Like they're actually, there's going to have to be some thought put into how the contracts line up and how the teams work and how they want the big picture to ultimately end up being Portland's big picture right now is not bad. Like with Simons there, he's only what 20 some million dollars a year. You're going to have the number three pick. You're only going to be paying him in the 10 to $12 million range, maybe even $9 million a year. And they also have Shaden sharp who is, I don't know, seven, $8 million a year. Like, there's a world where they're paying 95 less than a hundred million dollars for those four guys. And 
there's a lot of upside for those guys. There's just, there's not going to be a lot of rosters going forward that can minimize the fact that Dame is on such an expensive contract. You're going to need, yeah. you're going to need high upside guys on lower contracts. And that's what they have. I mean, Simons is the $20 million a year guy, but sharp on the rookie contract. Like, I don't know if I have to plan another flag really quickly. I'm planning my flag on Shaden Sharp breakout season year two. I guess technically, technically Shaden Sharp should be in this draft. Remember, he reclassified from Kentucky, entered early, did like the weird one semester thing, was able to end up in the NBA. And if he's in college and just does the normal thing, was on pace to be like, a top three pick was a top three prospect originally in his class. I don't remember where he ends up ultimately in the, in, in a last year's recruiting class, but having sharp on the rookie contract, there's not a lot of assets in the league that are going to be able to neutralize Dame's contract. Sharp has a chance to be one of those guys. The upside with him is I think I, I think like legit number two on a title team. Now the question becomes, what? I think the question becomes like, what is the timeline for that? But I think what oh he showed God. last year, just the Blazers have a history of not playing their young guys. Simon's his rookie year, like didn't really find his way on the court and was a young guy like sharp. Sharp, they just, they couldn't keep him off. He was too athletic. His athleticism alone was a weapon. Just put him in the corner. He can cut. He's dynamic just doing that. But the last 10 games of the season, 23 points a game, six rebounds, four assists, 46% from the field, 37% from three. The shot was already starting to fall. That was one of the biggest question marks for him going into the draft. Those numbers, those are Zach Levine's numbers. 23 points, 46%, 37. Like, that's what Zach Levine was doing for a full season. So I think the question for the Blazers becomes, like, what is the shade and sharp timeline? Because I think the ceiling for this guy, sky high. He's one of the most in insane athletes in the league. He didn't test at the combine, but there were rumors around the draft that he had put up like a 49 inch vertical and watch him jump. Like he just levitates in the air. Like he's an insane leaper. If the jump shot starts to fall, I don't know. I'm all in Shaden sharp. I think has the potential just to be a sidekick to Dame, but also Simons is there. And also that number three pick asset is going to be there. There's just going to be a lot of cheap talent on Portland. And I think that's going to be important. No, I, I mean, I think people are a little bit discounting of the talent on Portland. I think there is. They do have a solid team there. I don't, I don't know about Shaden Sharp as the number two player on a title team, but you throw water I on mean, me. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, you're you're on fire right now. I better cool off. But I, I do. Th I mean, his athleticism. If he is able to become a solid shooter. You know, those last couple of games are interesting. I'm giving him more minutes. Um, and so, you know, there is some interesting potential there. But I think with Dame is he wants a guaranteed, you know, kind of team that will take him to have a serious playoff run. And he's the one that would be playing with his team every day. You know, he's the one in practices. He's the one he sees what's going on. 
been on a championship winning team, but he doesn't think that there's enough there. And so, you know, he's kind of out on this team in terms of, you know, he's kind of out on this team. I mean, if you think about it, because his options are either change this team or get me out of here. So, you know, when your leader kind of says something like that, even if they do run it back, they're going to have to be some, at least some serious changes. And chances are either Shaden Sharp or Anthony Simons will be in a trade um, with a third pick. So it, it's going to be that the, the Portland Trailblazers right now are at a crossroads. Figure They got to figure something out because they they can't run back this team is the point. They can't run back the same exact players um, is what, Damus said and so they seem like they want to keep Dame around they want to you know keep him happy and uh so they're they're not listening to your rim they're they're trading some pieces someone's gonna have to get traded because Dame has said that you know that that's his two options but it's not the same guys though if you think of that Sharp is just going to play from day one and he's gonna be better he wasn't you know initially in the rotation you're going to have Simons on a full so we've never seen Simons really play like a full season like like let let's actually let the roster play 82 games together and you're adding the number 3 pick i think portland if they sit tight this is going to play out perfectly for them because again we're all in on scoot going number 2 i still believe that's what charlotte's going to do the odds are starting to reflect that so that means brandon miller is going to be there at 3 and if the questions around picking Scoot are fit and, you know, hit the reset button, all that, that all gets wiped away because Brandon Miller, he's a forward. You slot him in there. He can play with Sharp, play with Simons, play with Dame. Nurkic at the five, you know, do we start looking to upgrade the roster there? But again, the core pieces, I think, are going to be a step up. They're going to be cheap. So the problem is going to be the West is loaded. Jokic, Curry, Durant, Booker, Kawhi, Wemby. Like, again, the West is going to be tough, so that is going to be an issue. But I think financially and the talent on the roster, I don't know if Dame is going to go somewhere. Is Dame going to go to Philly and be with Embiid? Like, that's a powerful one-two combo, but the rest of the roster is really going to be lacking. They're going to have to trade pieces away for a team that's already depleted, and it's going to be harder with the new rules. Like, just sit tight because with your contract, it's gonna it's gonna be a difficult situation, and they're going to have a chance to add cheap pieces. And I do think that's gonna be Brandon Miller for them at three, and that would be sigh of relief for that organization to get a wing in there. And if you're adding a wing, like that's what Dame wants, right? A guy who can compliment him, like Brandon Miller can be that guy. Like, why can't the number three pick be the piece that Dame needs? plus sharp, plus just another year of Simon, plus all this stuff. In a vacuum, you're right. You know, we throw this team in 2K. It's probably the best thing to do, you know. Dave's only 32, actually, which is kind of wild for him to be Ooh. hitting the emergency button. But this is the first time in Dame's tenure at, with the Trailblazers that he has openly talked about leaving. I mean, they're bringing up teams to him, and he's saying which one he wants to go to. So... He has he has crossed the Rubicon. You know, there there he has point. I think he has he's not trying to call out like, you know, Anthony Davis. It's not to that level. But I think Dame 
in and of himself has passed the point where he wants to stay on this team. And maybe the best basketball decision is for him to stay, but he wants an established star. And he's made that really clear. And, you know, regardless of what this team's potential could be with him, without him, the main the, the main problem isn't whether this team will be good because, you know, Shaden Sharp, he could, he could turn into a solid player. Like you said, he's, I mean, with that athleticism and if he brings up his shooting, I mean, you, you're going to find a place in the NBA. Um, Amphrey Simons, we already talked about. And, you know, Brandon Miller is still going to be a solid player in this league. Um, you know, really high floor. But Dame has made it clear he wants an established star. Um, you know, maybe the perception, maybe he's seen around. Maybe I mean, he has had a lot of peer pressure for a lot of years to leave. You know, maybe maybe he's you know reading this team wrong. I mean, players we've seen aren't great GMs. You know, yeah. they're not great talent evaluators. So you know, maybe he just thinks this is another rebuilding part. And the thing is, is that so far the Trailblazers haven't been great to him in terms of building a real team around him. I mean. The one team where, you know, he had Seth Curry, who has shown to be a pretty good playoff performer. Um, you know, he has Nurkic healthy, Zach Collins. They're actually all healthy. You know, Alfarika was on that team. They get to the Western Conference Finals, and they get absolutely obliterated. And, you know, no matter what anyone of us believe about Charles James, CJ, he's not a star and not even an all-star. So he hasn't played with an all, pretty much an all-star besides LaMarcus Aldridge his whole career. And Lamarcus is borderline, if that you know, with his, with, especially in today's NBA, and um, it's just I think he's he's the the the, the franchise has kind of screwed him his whole career, and so now for once he's kind of at the end of his rope, and you know maybe staying with the team is the better option, but he just wants an established star for once, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's not on the Trailblazers in twenty twenty in the next season. Or if they trade someone, because they, 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 the point is, is they have to do a trade. They have to do a trade. The point is, a Portland trade has to happen. Unless Dame totally stands down, which, you know, considering how protective he has been of staying in Portland up to this point, and now he's on podcast, you know, it was a boxing show, which was kind of weird. But he, I mean, they're there, you know, talking about teams he'd like to go to, you know, mentioning Miami and all that. And Miami does have some pretty interesting contracts, so who knows? It's him. That's the point. It's it's not the rest of the team. You're totally right. You're you're right. You're correct. The team has a lot of talent. It's him and whether he wants to play with this team. And he's made it clear so far that he doesn't. Well, and I don't think the team has necessarily been in a position the last couple of years to win. I mean, they've had to pull the plug and they've had to tank, but that's where they find themselves now. And they are the ping pong balls fell in their favor and they got into the top three and the basketball karma that we talked about, like they were rewarded with you get in the top three, like you're having a chance to pick a, you know, a franchise guy, but at least a guy who's going to come in and be a number two, a solid number three, a guy who's going to be a high level player. So I don't know. Hot take time. Is it time to is hot take oh, Timmy in the room? Going to have the best season of any Dame teammate next year. LaMarcus made an all NBA. There's a third team, all NBA in there. CJ McCollum was scratching the surface of some all-star appearances there in Portland, 20 points a game every year, but the athleticism shooting combo, like this is by far the best four that he's been with, but it's just for me, again, it's the timeline with Shaden Sharp. Like is next year, the year 
or is year three the year where he could be in the playoffs? Like if we want to contend, it's like, okay, he could flash in the regular season, but in the playoffs, is he a guy who's going to get buckets, you know, in the Western conference finals? Is he going to go toe to toe with the top guys in the league to ask a guy to do that in year two, year three is obviously that's now we're talking about sharp as one of the guys in the league, but the athleticism is there. The shot making is there. So it's a timeline thing with me for him, not necessarily a question of when, because I think he gets there. And I just think with the money, I think this is the best spot for him, but you're right of all of the signs that, you know, of of his time there in Portland, there are more signs now pointing him to leaving than ever before. Like the fact that, it's getting floated out there and he's openly talking about it. Like maybe he's just super comfortable and knows he's staying in Portland and just making everybody nervous and just being a big troll. But you know, you get to the end of your career, you start wanting to chase a title. You start looking around, you start, you know, like you said, established guys, respected stars. You just have a better feeling about being with these guys. Maybe you want to live in a different city. Miami's a better city, LA, whatever, but I don't know. You know, if if now's the time for him, if he's ever going to leave, like now is definitely the time for him to do it. It's going to be easier to trade him now on his cap hit before it gets into the $60 million range. So it kind of has to be this offseason if it's going to be any time. But I think if he ends up staying in Portland, I think that's the best move for him. Yeah, well, hopefully he thinks that way too because... You know, I, I mean, I kind of like him, you know, too. I, I mean, you're kind of selling me on the, you know, on the team. They, I mean, they are interesting with him there, too. Um, Who knows if Nurkic can stay healthy. Uh, But, you know, it was just when you look at the history of players that he's had to play with, you know, you kind of start to understand why. Um, I, I think, yeah, he's only been on one Olympic team. You know, is the Olympics, was it Team USA, that experience? You know, him starting to him playing with other elite players, seeing what the high life is like, you know, starting to push him away. That was that wasn't last summer, that was a couple summers ago, but yeah, 2021. But um, you know, but that's how the LeBron thing kind of came together. Exactly. Wade and Bosch and those guys, the Olympics was where they were first all playing together and getting friendly and getting exactly. To know Exactly. Dame playing on Team USA, seeing the highlights. You know, I think that's his first. I'm pretty sure that's his first Team USA that he's been on. Because I'm pretty sure Curry was Bam on that team. We're taking up. Yeah, I think Bam was too. Yeah. KD was. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Some tampering. I don't think Bam would, but, you know, they're probably, they're probably calling him. Does Jimmy Butler get on the next Team USA? Okay. All right. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Only other main big player, which you know, it won't. I may it won't affect the team he's leaving, but it'll affect the teams he might go to. Bradley Beal is the hot name on the market. Uh, with the new GM coming in, the Wizards sounds like they're all blowing it up, and it's pretty much all around the league. Everyone's, you know, it's pretty well, well reported that they're looking for him on the move, and everyone kind of seems in. I mean, we got. You know, rumors with him joining the pool party uh, or him, them having a pool party with him, pool, the Lakers, that he is the most intriguing. I mean, I got four different, five different articles talking about different areas, the Thunder, you know, all these different teams. So 
I mean, I got to say, I'm personally happy for the Wizards that they finally get something different. But, uh, Rem, I mean, is the is the contract just too ugly? Like, I mean, if you're if you're one of these contending teams, like you mentioned with the second apron, you know, is is Bradley Beal at 30 years old worth going out and getting? If I'm running a team, I'm probably not going to make a call and start giving up assets for Bradley Beal. But like you mentioned, the fact that the trade value has dipped so low to get a player of, of his caliber, like how yeah. low do you think the Wizards are actually going to be able or going to be willing to go for dealing Beal? Because that contract is an issue. Like nobody is going to want that contract. And if they're they're not going to put themselves in a situation to be the Rockets, you know, trying to get rid of the Chris Paul contract, giving away Apparently future not. picks like they're trying to rebuild. So, you know, is is like Hero and Lowry going to be enough to swing them? Like, would they just eat the money and just go, hey, we'll take the younger, cheaper guy and maybe he's a better asset down the road? Like, is this maybe Duncan think- Robinson and Hero two for one? If you're the Heat, would you rather throw in Robinson than Lowry? Lowry's an expiring. No, so. I mean obviously you want obviously you want to throw in Lowry, but they're not. I mean they might take him if he's a, a yeah he is an expiring, but you know I mean if you're bringing in Bradley Beal, I think you'd be fine with, with losing Duncan though. Probably, and he's signed to a longer deal, so it'd be nice exactly. to get off that money long term. But their offense is weirdly dangerous when Duncan Robinson is firing and it's kind of been the secret to their playoff runs. I mean, you bring in Beal and his shooting and maybe he replaces that, but maybe he replaces Duncan Robinson's production. (laughs) (laughs) Could be, could be he replaces, but I think uh, getting off of Lowry's money would be nice. Lowry's $30 million a year next year. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's really expensive, but for the people at home who haven't, um, heard about Bradley Beal's contract because you know I just love reading ridiculous contracts. Um, he may he's making forty six million next year, fifty million in twenty twenty five, fifty three million in twenty twenty six, and in twenty twenty seven season twenty twenty seven at thirty three years old player option. I'm I'm gonna report you know that he's gonna I think he's taking the option crazy idea but. I think he's going to want to take that $57 million in one year. That's more than my boy Messi. You know he's making a lot, a lot of money. Nice. Even the best player in the world can't get that in soccer across the ocean. No, Beal, does Beal but, have league pass stock? Who knows? Maybe. I mean, that might be the only place where you could catch the Wizards game the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, it's – Bradley Beal, I'm happy the Wizards are finally blowing it up. I am very against mediocre teams, and that's what they have been the last couple of years where they had, you know, some has-beens, you know, players who aren't horrible, but like Kuzma, Porzingis, okay players, Bertans. I mean, players who people thought the ceiling was the roof, through the roof, um, you know, with the unicorn and, um, you know, even Denny Adivon, Adivon. I thought he was going to be better than I thought he was going to be better than he was, um, than he is. You know, solid. You know, big solid guy, another solid player, but not not changing the needle. So a lot. We'll have to see. I mean, wasn't it two, three years ago? Uh, Bradley Beal was pushing for the most points in the league, 
averaging the most points in the league. So the league in scoring. Yeah. You know, yeah, led league in scoring. I, well, I thought Joel Embiid passed. He was he was competing right with Joel Embiid up there. Um, it was uh, Embiid led the league in scoring the last two years. I think it was Steph the year before that, and then Beal the year okay. before that. Uh yeah, oh no! So one of those it, years, it was, it was the Steph was year. With... Steph got him. Oh okay okay. Shout out Steph, but yeah, everyone you know he's he's an older guy. We you know issues on defense, but for a team like. Miami, I think it would be something that you have to seriously consider um, just because of the amount of scoring that he can do, you know, through the roof. We'll have to see if he can really get connected into that defense, get into the heat culture. But we saw their issues in the playoffs. It was a guy who could create a shot, a guy who can score. And, and you know, giving Bradley Beal at least one more last chance will be nice for a veteran in the league you know, who really only got one shot at it with John Wall. And uh, it's just that contract is very prohibitive, especially with Jimmy Butler's own contract as well. That's the thing. We're all acting like they're going to be able to trade Beal, but somebody's actually going to have to take him and actually have to absorb his contract. And a lot of the teams in the league either – have already committed to their stars and have big deals or just not going to attach themselves to it. Like none of the young teams in the league are going to do that. The Spurs are not going to do that. The Pacers, the Pistons, like none of those teams are going to do that. Why would Orlando want to absorb a contract that no, big? You know, they are untouchable. Yeah. You kind of don't want to mess up your core with a $60 million contract. So I don't know. I don't really know where the landing spot is for him, honestly. Like, what's the team? The Rockets? The team, honestly, is probably the Celtics if Jalen Brown is in the trade because they would only have Tatum as the other mm-hmm. big contract guy. Otherwise, I honestly, like, the Sixers as a sneaky team, maybe, but if you're going to trade... Joel and B did want Bradley Bill. I just, you're going to trade the rest of your roster for Beal? That's why they're hoping to do probably a sign-in trade with James Harden, but eh, no, James Harden won't want to go there, so. James Harden's not going to the Wizards. <laughs> Maybe sign-in trade with the Rockets. I, I mean, the thing is, is that, like, is Jalen Brown, you know, when you consider his two-way play, is he much of an, uh, you know, is Bradley Beal much of an upgrade over Jalen Brown? Maybe, you know, definitely, you know, on the scoring side. A lot, a lot more dangerous threat is Bradley Beal. So is this but, a hot um, take? Is this a hot take now? If you're paying Beal and Brown the same amount of money, is Beal a better player? Is that a hot take? If they're paid the same, I mean, it's 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 a little spicy. Um, can Beal not create a shot for himself better? I mean, he can, and I know like. You know, we say defense wins championships, but, you know, it's been offense the last couple of years. Um, Has Jalen Brown been playing defense? Yeah, that's a good point. That's the, Yeah, that, his drop-off in defense. I mean, they're going to have to cover for him a lot, though, uh, or Bradley Beal because, you know, not a great defender, but not really horrible. I don't know. I mean, then again, he's I mean, he's playing meaningless games with the Wizards. So that's the thing. Like, it's kind of hard to assess, like, because we've mentioned, like we mentioned many times, defense is mostly effort. You know, like, that's why the Heat had a ridiculous zone defense. I mean, they made a high school defense work in the NBA Finals um, because of just communication and effort, and that's what 90% of good defense is. 
you know, pretty much a hundred percent. Um, and so yeah. that's why it's kind of hard to evaluate veterans defense in the regular season. I mean, you know, you call Draymond, you know, a bum on defense during the regular season, uh, compared to what he is in the playoffs where he's just, you know, he's engaged in a whole nother level and you're like, Oh snap. He, this is why he was a defensive player of the year at one point. So, you know, it's, Kind of hard to evaluate. I, I definitely think, you know, I, I could see with Bradley Beal there instead of Jalen Brown, I do think it gives them a better chance at winning a championship, and that's why you play basketball. So I yeah. could understand why they do the trade. It's just going to be a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money. My – I think in a perfect world, maybe they could – if the salaries can match. I don't know if they – I need to throw in more money. I don't. I, I think they should be good though. If they sign, yeah, Jalen Brown to an All NBA contract, I guess they should be good. So, um, you think Jalen Brown trade? is Jalen Brown on a player option this year? I don't believe he is. Right, he's just no. playing off the last year of his contract. The trade machine says they can't do a one for one swap, but if they get Gallinari to opt into his player option, which he did. He did? Yeah, he did. I think it was announced today, yeah. You could do Gallo and Jalen Brown for Bradley Beal. Yeah, he opts in. I mean, they could also trade Grant Williams, too, with him. And then they have him bring back maybe True. a pick or two. I mean, they're trying to get off of Grant Williams. And those are two youngish players, you know. It's not like they're sending any veterans over, so. I mean, I'll say it. If, they, if Bradley Beal and Jalen Brown are paid the same amount of money, I'd rather have Bradley Beal. I think the Celtics yeah. are better with Bradley Beal at fifty million than they are with Jalen Brown. No, for sure. I I think that's after this playoffs. I mean, I think Bradley Beal can dribble left. So, <laughs> I think uh, yeah, he can go to the other side of the court. <laughs> no, no, wow, that's kind that's of not, important. That's Mitch Trubisky level issues. So, we'll have to see. I mean, it's just it's just tough because, like you know, in theory, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they it should you should keep them together, you know. Yeah, because they're just because their age, but I think this last season, especially with you know Tatum really pushing for a top five player, you know, pushing for MVP candidate, you know, we've kind of seen him, especially in the playoffs, we've seen him kind of take another step where the championship window is kind of now, you know, oh, yeah. it's kind of and, and they're always smaller than people think, and um, you know, with him, and you have one more year before you have to pay Tatum, so. You know, kind of just got to go in all in now with with his team, and Jalen Brown's a player that Celtics seem like they don't want long term. Probably mm -hmm. need to get rid of anyway. So after that, just of how emotional, how gut wrenching that loss was. Not only if they lose in four, I think they're running it back. But I think it's because it was just because then they have the scapegoat of Missoula. But now that it was, you know, the Missoula came back, you know, Warford actually and Marcus Smart coaching, but they, they came back into to the seventh game. And then, you know, just how bad Jalen Brown was, it's he's going to be the guy who's going to get most of the blame. Who did? I mean, he has. And so that's why he's the one who's going to be kicked out of town instead of Missoula. But it is an interesting turn of events where, Winning those three games and then going to game seven was, you know, hurt Jalen Brown's career more than getting swept. Mm -hmm.
Now, I don't know if the Wizards would be totally thrilled about bringing Jalen Brown in on that number, but he is younger than Beal. Again, with the two-way upside, maybe you talk yourself into him just being a higher overall level player, but I think uh, that's... They throw it on the pile of other disappointing stars. Oh, yeah, I guess, if you're out on Jalen Brown. But, uh... too. Sure. <laughs> I think the best landing spot, I think the best landing spot for him that makes the most sense would be Boston. But there is two sides to that deal. So I think the Beal market is limited, not just in what they could get, but in who wants to take him. So we'll see if the Wizards are actually able to blow this thing up at all. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think basketball-wise, I think the best fit would actually be... Um, I think best fit would actually be the 76ers. But, you know... Where he actually is going, probably the Celtics, yeah. It's going to be a storyline that probably will be around for a little bit. Maybe after the draft and the Trailblazers figure out their stuff, we'll have a clearer, clearer way to see the future. Um, do, you, do you think he actually gets traded? Bradley Beal, yes. I do think it will. But I mean, like, do you think somebody actually takes him? Yeah, I think, I think one of those contenders got to take him. Because I don't know if... They can't Celtics can't go out and get Dame and I think Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum are close enough friends where they'll figure it out. And I think uh, um I do think they gotta I I think they gotta go for it. They kinda gotta go for it this year. I just if the Wizards are already saying they're willing to take less for Beal, that says the mar- the market's already low. And that's you know, I just don't know what their bargaining power is and I just don't know. I mean- with the list. So I'm at yeah. this point, I'm 60, 40, 60%. He's going to end up just staying in Washington by default because I don't I'm know like, if anybody um, takes him o- over the off season. I'm like 90, 10. And that's only because of the Celtics more than the wizards because they, they can't bring Jalen Brown back. They can't, they can't pay both of those guys. 110. They just can't, they got to trade Jalen Brown for some because or they gotta pay him. I they I I just think they can't pay both of them that much for what they've got. Which you know it, it's been a pretty good playoff resume, but you're Jalen Brown wants the bag, and they they've. I mean, I think they've made it clear they don't want to give it to him, and someone else is going to. So unless they just you know have a brain fart and let him walk out for nothing, which is gonna really really hurt them, they're. They, I just swear if they really sign up, they just can't sign Jalen Brown and bring back this. All right, moving on. Uh, God, soccer corner, Killian and Bappe and PayPal and everything. Looks like the the PSG is dealing with the same issue like the Celtics. Mbappe's mm. got one more year left on his contract, and PSG was, you know, held over the cliff. Last time they did negotiations with Mbappe, it was literally down to the wire. He said he was going to Real Madrid. And then PSG literally got on their knees and begged. Like, they're like, hey, you're in charge of player evaluations, player stuff. You own part of the team. You're pretty much an owner of this team. So, yeah, they, they, you know, they begged him to come back. He did, which, you know, obviously, but two years are up. And they he signed a three year deal, and now he is he's claim he's saying he's saying he wants to stay with PSG, but he's keeps talking to Real Madrid, who 
in their own way are making moves. They're doing their own, you know, Queen Boss stuff. They're bringing in Jude Bellingham, um, talking about bringing in Harry Kane. They're they're bringing in players. They're bringing. They're doing their own stuff. I don't know where they get the money for this, but it is interesting to see, you know, the, you know, pretty much arguably the best player in the world, at least currently the best player, um, right now. In uh, negotiations with the, well, I don't know if he's in negotiations, but kind of in a staring mask with PSG because similar to the Celtics, they can't bring back Mbappe on a one-year deal. I mean, if you walk, they can't have him walk out for nothing. I mean, he's just worth too much. So um, we'll have to see. Well, we'll have to see. Right now, I mean, my money is on him probably re-signing with PSG. Um, They give him a lot of money. He's the man, all that. Um, Real Madrid kind of got, you know, they got a resume. They're kind of like the Celtics. Yeah, similar to some. They got their history, you know, they got the rings. There's a whole like culture around them. They're very, you know, very business like. They wear collars on their shirt. Like they're, you know, they they call themselves you know, the Galacticos, you know, the best in the galaxy. So a very professional team. So, you know, they're, they're definitely a badge over player kind of team. So, um, you know, they don't know how to celebrate their stars. But so, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. It's a very interesting offseason for PSG, who are how losing is, Neymar Messi. How much is Mbappe worth on the Saudi market? $4 billion a year? Maybe. Hey, hey you know, don't put it past, you know, who knows? I mean, they're they're paying, they're willing to pay Messi half a billion so if they're going after stars, they would they're gonna have to swoop in and make an offer if he's available, right? Or or is it trades? How would that work? Could they trade for him? Yeah, they could transfer for him. Um I mean could you just transfer PSG straight up cash want any player for him. But yeah, it would be straight up cash. That is the interesting thing with soccer is almost all the transfers are straight up cash. They very, very rarely do player trades. So would it would they transfer them? the cash for like a year's worth of salary. Like if they just gave PSG like $500 million, could they just, would that just buy Mbappe? Um, 500 million would definitely buy Mbappe. He's right now valued at 180 euros, which converted into money that we use. Let's see here. Uh, like 200. Um, yeah. Somewhere there. I don't know which way it But he's worth a lot. I mean, obviously. But I think the highest ever paid for a transfer was a Neymar to PSG, $199 million. Um, but I, and, you know, then you obviously got to pay the guy himself. So, so two fifty. who knows? I'm, uh, what's their face? Um, Saudi Arabia is probably just going to wait till Mbappe is on free transfer or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And Real Madrid as well. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to be some weird negotiations if they do transfer him, if they do try to transfer him, because a lot of those teams can be like, yeah, we could pay you 190 now or I could just wait till he's free. And that's like a free free transfer. Just wait until he's a free agent. Then I don't have to pay you all this ridiculous money for him. So it's kind of a kind of a standoff. And you you said he's going to stay in PSG because he is. Is he actually said that? French, right? Like, so that is home for him. Yeah, I feel like that's that's a major, major advantage and can't be under underrated. So, 
I don't know anything about soccer, but I would I would say he would stay. Yeah, if that's uh, I mean. if French is home for him right now, but that's that's my headline reading guess. Mm, yeah, well, he's just trying to pretty much drain as much money out of PSG as much as possible. That's why I always say his nickname a lot of him PayPal because he just keeps trying to pull him over for more and more money. It's ridiculous. But um, speaking so of all the home, work with oh, the, where is it? all the work with the French national team and the World Cups mm-hmm. and all that stuff, like he's still in the peak of his powers and still has to do all that exactly. stuff. So I I don't know. Being in France has to be convenient for that. No, definitely. I mean, his family's there probably. Think it's from Paris area, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know why he's not why he's got to do this every year. But you know, it's he's he's from personally to me, he's annoying just because of FIFA. But in real life, he's just being a shrewd, I guess, player. That'll do it for this week's episode. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties. We had to sacrifice Frisbee Corner. Somebody at IT is going to get their ear chewed out. I don't know how the writers are all on strike and these slobs over in IT still have jobs, but no Frisbee Corner this week. That just means you'll have to be back for Frisbee Corner next week. I know sports are disappearing, but we're not going anywhere. We're not leaving. We'll be back next week. So follow the Instagram, follow the YouTube, keep an eye on the Spotify, the Apple Podcasts. All the links are in the description. Follow Sam on Instagram as well. We'll be back next week, so don't go anywhere.